Blog Talk Radio. You're listening to Wide Men Can Jump on the Wide Men Radio Network, located at blogtalkradio.com slash widemencantjump. We're brought to you by the law offices of Stephen P. New, wowfreecam.com, and facebook.com slash makeupkennedy. You can check us out anywhere and everywhere you find podcasts. Now, for the hosts of your flagship program, here's Tom Robinson and Nate Bush. What's up? What's up, everyone? It's Wide Men Can't Jump. We are back. We're live again. Had a couple weeks there where we had to do a little fill-in due to some uh, previous obligations, mostly by me. But we're back, and we are live this evening. And joining me tonight from the Great White North, the beautiful territory way up yonder. If you ever hear the old country song, Chattahoochee, it's not way down yonder. It's way up yonder. Ladies and gentlemen, the one, the only, Tim Oh, beautiful, beautiful. Oh, brings to my eyes. I get, I get choked <laughs> up when I hear that beautiful song. Um, welcome, everyone, from the not the end of the world, but you can see it from here. Uh, how's everything <laughs> down south, big night? Uh, I feel like a, I feel like an idiot for complaining, but a little cold. <laughs> Probably nothing compared to what you've got uh, up there. It's uh, it's not too bad. It's uh, I'm not sure what that did the translation is. I didn't. Know. It's minus twenty Celsius, so that's probably um, uh, fifteen Fahrenheit, maybe something like that. Not too bad for this time of year, to be not honest. Too bad, but but before we before we move on, ladies and gentlemen. Yes. Tom Robinson. Yowza, yowza, yowza. I'm back. God, we haven't got with one of those in a while. Yeah. <laughs> got to I am. A, I'm up and ready. Well. Oh. Well, uh, and then we're gonna <laughs> and then we're gonna do the show after that or what? <laughs> no. It, it, if it's if it's less than four hours, it's not dangerous. Oh, all right. Okay, I'm with you. Let's go then. Let's let's get going. Let's talk about the, your favorite team because, boy, have I got some stuff to say to this week. Yeah, Tia, why don't you lead us off? Last night, in case anybody uh, didn't know, last night, Minnesota, my team, the Timberwolves, traveled out east to Wells Fargo Center in Philadelphia to take on the 76ers, the first matchup between Jimmy Butler and his former team. Tom Thibodeau is gone. Ryan Saunders coaching the Wolves now, and uh, it wasn't pretty. So, T.R., won't you uh, not you talk about it a little bit? Well, <clears throat> coming off the uh, Alshon Jeffrey missed catch, which would have given us another week of Eagles football, the first game that really uh, caught my eye was the return of Dario Saric, uh, Robert Covington, Gerard Bayless, and the return of face-to-face our Jimmy Butler against his former brothers, Carl uh, Anthony Towns, Andrew Wiggins, etc. And I thought it was a great storyline, and there was 
uh, not so long ago there was a possibility that Big Nate was going to make the the journey up to Philadelphia and we were going to go to the game together. Uh, originally suggested you were possibly going to stay in my mansion in Clifton Heights, then you were uh, possibly going to stay in uh, West Deptford in my new residence, my, my new palatial estate that I share with Robin. And uh, a whole big scenario was just right, perfect timing for this game. And going in, I expected old school NBA with this Jimmy Butler and Cat and having sex with each other's girlfriends and shoving and physical basketball. And <laughs> I, I sat, I sat right at the TV and, and didn't miss a possession. And God, I wish I missed most of them. Because yeah, really. Your team never, your goddamn team never got off the plane. Um, Joel Embiid, I think. I think I'm ready to anoint Joel Embiid as the best big man in the NBA. He may finally have lived up to being as good as he thought he was this whole time. Uh, considering Anthony Davis came in here and he dominated Anthony Davis, like completely shut him down and had his way on the offensive end. And then uh, a refreshed Carl Anthony Towns, who, you know, the other night had something like 29 rebounds or something ridiculous. 27 and 27. Comes in, yeah, comes in here, and Joel just leans his big body on him, and he renders him useless and ineffective. I mean, at one point I looked up, I think he had 12 points and two rebounds when Joel had 25 and 12 at, at that point or something. And, you know, a total team effort by the Sixers, 149 to 107, shellacking. Uh, oh, yeah. I cannot the, – the Sixers win at home. That's going to be a problem when they go on the road, and they're playing a lot of good teams coming up. Uh, but as far as Embiid's concerned, I can't really rag on the guy anymore. He's, he's, he said he was going to average 27. I think he's averaging at least that. Um He's doing what he said. He's staying healthy. He's he's averaging twenty. He's averaging twenty-seven exactly. Yeah, uh, he's. You know, I can't. I have nothing bad to say about the guy. He, he shoots threes, which you know anybody be uncomfortable with, but he sinks. You know, a good percentage of them, and you know, uh, I don't really have a problem with the team. I don't think they're championship caliber. I think, but they're top five in the NBA, and. Uh, you know, who knows, you know, a missing piece or maybe Brett Brown's uh, soft attitude. But the, 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 the end, at the end of the game, the big picture, the most, the most compelling storyline to me is I really hope that Dario Saric, Saric or whatever the fuck you want to pronounce his name, with the, uh, you know, various pronunciations of such, um, I really hope for him. Covington can survive anywhere because he's just a big, dumb defender. He's happy with when he's getting paid. But Dario's genuinely hurt. Like, Philly was his home. He didn't expect to leave. He had uh, dinner with TJ and the equipment manager or director of operations or something, some guy in the organization. And then they met again for coffee before the game. TJ sunk a 10-footer over him and smacked him on the butt, and, you know, kind of like a – you know, like they would in practice. You see the sadness in his face. He's just – he came from overseas and thought Philly was going to be his home. So, I hope in some way he gets back here for his personal mental health. But other than that, 
Those T wolves, I don't know, Nate. If if I caught them on an off night, you can correct me, but they 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 don't look like they have any any kind of oomph to them at all right now. Well, talking and reading what John Krasinski said and what was reported, Jeff T even said, you know, this was a big game. One team showed up, the other didn't. Um, it goes yeah. back to Jimmy Butler's argument a little bit of, you know, these these kids, some of them, not as motivated, really. Last night, they just didn't seem like they were into the game. Maybe it was the media buzz. Maybe it was, I don't know, maybe it was an off night, like you said, because here they had a really great night the other night against the Pelicans. Towns had the big 27-27 and 27 game. Wiggins played good. Um, and then last night, I'm looking at the stats. Wiggins, 12 points, 4 rebounds. Uh, Towns, 13 points, 3 rebounds. You know, leading scorer was Derrick Rose with 15 points. You know, Covington didn't play. Covington's hurt. Sarge had 11 and 5. Um, but I'm looking at these plus minuses. Oh, my God, it's atrocious. Um, Tyus Jones gets hurt, which doesn't help Minnesota much uh, as they're, you know, that's the third uh, guard they've had go down within the month in terms of injury. Most of them are back. But, um, you know, it's just it was a rough night. Looking at the plus minuses here, uh, Wiggins minus 25, Gibson minus 14, Teague minus 32, Rose minus 24, Sarge minus 26. And the telltale sign here is Towns minus 42 last night against the 76ers. But again, I want to reiterate, not one game does a, a season make. Um, this was a, this was an ass whipping. This was a team that was motivated. Uh, I'm looking at the stats on the other side. MB 31 and 13. He only played 27 minutes. Uh, Butler 19, 3 and 4, and he had two steals and a block. Reddick 15. Simmons 20, 11 and 9. He only played 26 minutes. Landry Shamet 12 points, three rebounds, four assists. Uh, Bolden uh, 15 points, or excuse me, 14 points, four rebounds. So everybody on the Sixer squad scored last night, all the way down to the 10 day contract man Corey Brewer. Uh, looking at their plus minuses, Butler plus 21, Embiid plus 20, uh, Shemette plus 26, he had a team high plus 26, Simmons plus 24, McConnell plus 24. It was just, it was Philly's night. And there's nothing you can do when a team who, TR, let's be honest here, the Sixers aren't exactly known for their three-point prowess, you know, knocking down three-point shots. Am I correct in saying that? Is that, you know? That's accurate. They've they've made a slight imp- well, you can't say improvement because uh, Bellinelli had a good three point percentage, yeah. but and also Ilyasova. So I guess I can't even say an improvement. They tried to address it with Shemet, but yeah, you're correct. They're not they're not a three point team. Well, here I am looking at the stats. They uh, they went forty eight point eight percent from three last night. Twenty one of forty three. Butler had three threes. Wilson Chandler had four. Reddick had three. Landry Shamet had two. Bolden had four. Corey Brewer had one. And the, the another telltale sign, as I'll put it here, Joel Embiid went four of six from three last night. Or not Joel Embiid. Yeah, yeah. Joel Embiid. Excuse me. Embiid. Four of six from yeah. three last night. Yeah, it's the one that shocked me team. was – it's hard to beat a team when they're doing that well. And from the field, the 76ers, if they shot 60% from the field last night. The one that Minnesota, shocked me the most was Jonah Bolden. Um, yeah. It, 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 he, he looked like the third splash brother. I was like, who? Do, what the? 
you know, something was in the air last night there. It was a local play-by-play TV guy, Mark Zumhoff's 25th anniversary. So they had a number of vignettes of people around the league, the commissioner, other broadcasters, et cetera, celebrating his TV play-by-play. So I guess, he rung the bell and everything. So I guess, I mean, there was a lot of uh, a lot of storyline and a lot of urgency for the Sixers. The, his uh, his partner, Ala Abdul-Nabi, NBA journeyman from Duke, uh, was – they showed – he actually played for the Sixers. He had a 10-day contract. And uh, it was <clears throat> Mark Zumhoff's – ironically, Mark Zumhoff's first day calling – a Sixers game that he was on his 10-day contract or first year might not have been the first game, but uh, the circle of life now they're working together as the broadcast team for the Sixers. Uh, I brought him up because my mind is scattered, and in the beginning of the game, uh, Wiggins was shooting a free throw, and Abdul Nabi's a New York guy, mm-hmm. and he still hasn't really give Homer commentary like Zoom off and our radio guy Tom McGinnis have, and he says. You know this Andrew Wiggins, he has more talent in his little finger than uh, 99% of the human population does in their whole body. And I was just like, what the fuck is he saying? And uh, Zumhoff was quick to get back at him and say, well, that's the problem. Um, He's number one overall. He's averaging 17 points a game and ran down his numbers. But he is that talented, and he just – doesn't produce to the level of his talent and he kind of so that's what kind of where i'm going partner he's a, he's a, he's an immense talent who could be a game uh, a game changer but he's uh he's just very lackadaisical so i'm not hey i'm uh, not gonna disagree with you when he's motivated he's tough to stop there's just games when you look at him and say this this dude is not motivated and i'm looking at the score from last night take a wild guess what the lowest score total the 76ers put up in a quarter last night just a guess take a guess well I don't I'm sorry I got cut off uh the 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 lowest number of points the Sixers put up in a quarter last night well I know they got uh like 40 and then 43 and then I think the lowest was 35 maybe 32 32 in the third quarter. They had 40 in the first, 43 in the second, 32 in the third, 34 in the fourth. The Wolves' highest quarter last night was 32 in the third, where they matched the Sixers' lowest. Um, So, you know what? I'm looking at it last night. I'm saying, okay, they got us. They punched us right in the chin, and that was an ass-whipping, and maybe that'll open some eyes. Uh, The Wolves got to be more motivated. They got a new coach who's trying to change the way things are. I'm hoping that this loss is one of those that opens their eyes. They're not out of contention yet uh, in the West. They're still, right now, they're nine games back of first place. Uh, and they're sitting in the 11th seed. They're only three or they're only two and a half back of eighth place. So, you know, it's early still. I mean, we're not even at the All-Star break. And I'm looking here. Next Sixers-Wolves game will be an interesting one. It's in Minnesota. It's on March 30th. This team will be a little different, and we'll see what happens with the Sixers. Now, I know Tim, Tim got a hold of me and said, I need, to, I need to talk about Butler, and I need to talk about Embiid. So uh, let's turn it over to the neutral party here in Tim okay, well, Dombrova. First, first let's, go okay. backwards, let's go backwards a bit. Uh, 
Tom, you said you were in West Deptford with uh, Robin. That's Robin Leach. Am I correct there? Correct. <laughs> okay. Uh, just just checking that. And then you said uh, – Yo, uh, freak Mark, out. Picture it. <laughs> you said Mark Zumhoff. Was, that was correct? Play-by-play announcer Mark Zumhoff. Zumhoff. Uh, Is he any relation to uh, rock and roll Buck Zumhoff by any chance? Yes, and he's also <laughs> on the run and – he landed here in Philadelphia. Uh, I hear John Wetland's not far behind. But anyway. <laughs> All right. Okay, now that I got that out of the way. Uh, being the casual observer of the three of us, uh, this game was actually on up here in Canada. That's how much uh, the optics, I guess you could say, were on the game. Uh, I did watch part of it. Uh, let's just say that the nap I had, while I attempted to watch it, was beautiful, because God, what a boring game. No offense to anyone involved. Uh, 76ers and social media is what I'd like to talk about. Somebody needs Go right to, ahead. Somebody needs to track these fellas and get a hold of what they're pumping out, because well, you would have thought I, I after must, last must, night they I had just won the championship. Go ahead. I must inter- I must interrupt before you expound upon their um, social media activity. There was a knight in shining armor, and they ran him out of town named Brian Colangelo, who tried with a burner account to find out what those <laughs> little, little millennials were doing. Fair enough. Um, I just don't I – mean, I mean, okay, so the 76ers beat the Timberwolves. Is this really that much of a story? Uh, for me sure. and Nate in this show, it is probably not no, but, for anybody yeah. else. <laughs> but, but, but looking at it, looking at it purely from a, from the optics of it, okay. The big story was all right. Butler is back, and you know, is there going to be some kind of kerfluffle there? Of which there was absolutely none. No. Um, then you get the taunting and the shit that I expected to see during the game shows up on Twitter where. Uh, Butler posts a picture of himself on the court with Wiggins coming at him, captioned, uh, I look past the looking, – looking through the past to the future. And then Embiid goes on and talks something about third stringers and hashtag trust the process. And, okay, guys, you, like, all right, you won the game, and that's fine. But I don't, I don't know. The cockiness – I don't mind the cockiness a little bit because I guess you need it to be good, but save it for when you actually do something. Uh, you didn't see uh, that was the other. There was another blowout last night. Warriors uh, Nuggets. Gold, yeah, Golden State pounded the Nuggets. Now there's a game where I expect to see some some chirping afterwards. Uh, you know, okay, we, we we took on one of the top teams and we throttled them. But I just don't I don't get it. I don't understand the uh, the whole attitude of some of those guys. Like I said, when you when you earned it, fine. But you know, on a thirty seven point blowout or whatever it was, can you really be so cocky? Is that good for the team? I don't think so. And then we're gonna see because when that goes the other way, and it will sooner or later. I looked at uh, I think it was actually Tom. I think you had 
posted it either on Twitter or, or had retweeted or something that somebody had said that their schedule coming up is a motherfucker. We're going to, we're going to find out whether the Sixers have got any spunk or not. And well, let's just see, let's just see if the flowery Jimmy Butler loves everybody as much after a couple losses as he does when they, when they have a blowout win. And I'll leave it at that. Well, they play the Pacers tomorrow night. Uh, at, at Indiana, then they come back home and take on the Thunder, then the Rockets come in on Monday, then Wednesday it's the Spurs, then they travel to Denver, to the Lakers, to the Warriors, to the Kings, and then the Raptors and Nuggets come back to Philly, then the Lakers come to Philly, then the Celtics. Good God. This is yeah, this, they who, who they this? Not, son of a bitch. Some, somebody looked at the 76ers in, uh, last year when the schedule was, or at the beginning of the season when the schedule was made, and said, yeah, I got a little something in store for these fellas. Because, man, that is just a train wreck waiting to happen. I mean, Even the for Kings, them, yeah. they're a good team. Look at the Kings and, that, and the that, Kings. The Kings they don't win right on the now. road. Yeah, they really struggle on the road. But if I'm looking at the Kings right now, the Kings are outside of the playoffs, but they're only a half game back. The Lakers are currently in the playoffs. LeBron is scheduled well, then, to come back. Yeah, in the next got few LeBron weeks. coming back off off an injury, and he's going to be ready to roll. Yeah, more than normal first, even. The first team that's really not even in playoff contention that they play is the Knicks, and that's not for a month. They don't play them until February 13th. So, man, oh man, what a what a uh, schedule for the 76ers coming up. That's going to be tough. I would just and say, those, you know, like I said, keep the chirping internal. That's all. Not so much of it out in the public. Well, unfortunately, you're not going to get that with Joel Embiid uh, ever. And I kind of earlier in my in my soliloquy, if you will, said now I can't really uh, – bust on them like I used to, you know, I was right there with you with everything you're saying because the guy has done nothing, but at least in this particular season, he said, I'm going to score about 27 a game and he's scoring 27 a game. He said, he's going to be defensive player of the year. And I would think he's, he's right up there with Kawhi. Uh, Maybe somebody I'm not thinking of, but he's in contention. And, at home, they look like world beaters, but until they play Atlanta and uh, they lost to Atlanta, Cleveland, and I forget who else, but somebody atrocious. Um, but at home, they tend to win, and on the road, they can't. They, you know, the Knicks, Nate just mentioned, they played them the game prior and had a 24 point lead in the garden. And Kevin Knox, I believe, had a chance to tie it with a three at the last shot of the game. So, you know, things like that to me got to go back to Brett Brown. And, you know, all of a sudden, uh, redhead headband wearing Ben Simmons, because it's all-star time and he needs votes, got 21 rebounds the other night. And, you know, he's he's driving and dunking and finishing. And he was quoted as saying, you guys have long memories. From the time he's came out, he said, I'm a point guard. And he's dictated his own career. The other day, somebody asked him, I think the female announcer asked him about T.J. McConnell getting uh, a lot more minutes at the point and him playing the four. And he's like, I just want to do what makes the team win. Uh, that's an all-star camp. That dude is so uh, – Maybe he's got I, a big, I, bo- big bonus in the contract for making the all-star game or something. 
Yeah, he has no concept of championships and winning games. It's all about his fluffy stuff that he can hollow stats that, you know, there were some bullshit stats last night that he was in the, the only other guys that do that were Will, Oscar Robertson, Michael Jordan, you know, it wasn't Michael because it was something to do with like ridiculous success, uh, you know, magic. He's like, that's some company. Uh, fuck you, Benson. Start playing like a real person. You know, <laughs> fuck your little asses. No, I, I'm, I'm right there with you. I have no problem when they, if they want to talk to shit once they've won something, then they can have at it all day long. That's the uh, Great White North uh, phone is ringing. You just ignore that. Um, but until you've won something, this nonsense of, like on uh, Embiid's Twitter, people telling him he's the GOAT. And he's like, you know, not coming right out and agreeing with him, but kind of agreeing with him. And it's just like, dude, you, you're you not even, you could play for another 10 years the way you play right now, and you'd barely be in that, you wouldn't even be in the conversation. Uh, yeah, I'm on, I'm on the fence. He's shown me more than he ever has. But yeah, yeah no, I'm, he's, I'm, he's playing good, but let's, let's not, he's not in the, I mean, we don't. Uh, we're not in the era of uh, where we're going to say uh, Wilt Chamberlain and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and Joel Embiid in the same breath. We're not quite there yet. Like, so I'll say down. it this way. I'll say it this way, which supports supports the kind of direction you're going. A guy that big, because I saw him manhandling towns last night, should be the Shaq of this era, and he's not. He's very lackadaisical. Shaq would, you know. With an open dunk, with you'd see it on Sports Center. The fucking backboard would, you know, be almost ripped off every dunk. Bodies would fly. Embiid, uh, like he just drops it in half the time, and I don't know. He he, he needs he needs more toughness and less talk. It's, I agree. Yeah, and it's frightening when you actually stop to think that he's pretty good now, and if he actually made some effort and really worked at it, how good he really could be. But he he chooses to be semi good, I guess you could say, because he would be a total beast if he had some uh, aggressiveness in his game. Yeah, yeah, I, I I'm I'm with you on that. Fair enough. Yeah. Well, guys, let's. Uh, we looked at that, and that hurt my soul watching seeing that that game last night. But uh, right now, Philly sets fourth place. In the East, they are three games ahead of Boston, who has a really, really tough game tonight. They're hosting Toronto. Uh, Indiana tonight is taking on – excuse me, I think Indiana plays tomorrow night. Indiana is tomorrow night? Yes, they got the Sixers tomorrow night. So that's going to be a matchup of, I believe, number three and number four. So if Philly's going to move up in the East, tomorrow night will be the night to do it as they take on Indiana. And, I'm, you know, TR and I, we hate to say we told you so about Indiana, but uh, we told you so. We did the same with Milwaukee as well. Yeah. So not, not trying to pat ourselves on the back here, but, you know, the only team that's making us look bad this season is Chicago, and that's that's okay. Everybody misses one. But I, I, can, say that, I can say that was temporary insanity. Maybe we were uh... – under the influence or something that with that prediction. Cause I'll, other people tried to tell us we were crazy. Uh, you got to pick, there's always that one team every year that comes out and just kind of surprises you. And to me this year, it's been, you know, Sacramento. 
that's been the team that's yeah. shocked me the most this season. Uh, we just picked the wrong team in the wrong division. So that's, I'm, I'm yeah, sticking the, with the that. Wrong, the wrong young, talented team. That exactly. We just, we just took the wrong one, and, and that happens. But uh, we're going to be joined uh, within the next couple of minutes by Bart Winkler, who's going to discuss the Milwaukee Bucks with us. So if you guys are ready for that, we'll get him on here momentarily. But before Bart comes on, we are going to go ahead and let you listen to our sponsors, one of the great sponsors of this fine program and this fine network. Ladies and gentlemen, if you haven't had a chance and you need to, get a hold of one of the best Stephen P. New attorney at law. Personal injury, automobile accidents, workplace accidents, mesothelioma, social security disability, unfair insurance practices, family law, employment discrimination, all these things and more can be helped by New Law Office. Stephen P. New will fight for you and your rights. Mr. New, what is there to do if you're in an automobile accident? When car wrecks happen, insurance is always involved. Did you know that in West Virginia, we have the highest percentage of uninsured and underinsured motorists driving on our highways, that means that when you're in a car wreck, your attorney needs to know how to work with your insurance company to maximize the compensation that you'll receive. If you've been in a car wreck, call me, Stephen P. New. For your free consultation, call 1-888-692-8084 or visit newlawoffice.com. Stephen P. New will fight for you to get you where you need to be. He's a proud sponsor of our program, and Mr. New is a stand-up national and local attorney. Stephen P. New, Attorney at Law, answers to your legal questions. And a big thanks to our sponsor, the Law Offices of Stephen P. New at newlawoffice.com. Check them out. And speaking of .coms, you should check out. Have you visited widemencantjump.com yet? You really should. We're really enjoying what's going on over at Wide Men Can't Jump. We're going to have more articles, more fun over at Wide Men Can't Jump coming on real soon. So make sure you get over there and check that out as soon as you possibly can. You guys still there? <laughs> oh, I was just, sometimes your dulcet tones just send me to another place, Nate. Well, you know. When, and I was mesmerized. Oh, sorry. I was mesmerized by the wonderful, incomparable Stephen P. New commercial and uh, just kind of was soaking it in. Well, speaking of soaking it in, ladies and gentlemen, joining us right now is co-host of Chuck and Winkler weekday morning 6 to 10 on 105.7 FM, The Fan in Milwaukee, and he also hosts Wink's podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, from the great city of Milwaukee, Bart Winkler. Bart, thanks for joining us. Hey, thank you guys. How's everybody doing tonight? Doing good. How about you, well, sir? Hey, doing good, man. We got we got a basketball team here that is, I, I think, even though expectations were high, exceeding those expectations, and kind of just waiting to the playoffs. To be honest, it's a weird, it's a weird situation we're in right now in Milwaukee. Yeah, it really is, and you got a, a potential MVP right now. Uh, in my opinion, I think he should be MVP. A lot of people are talking James Harden, but we'll get to that later on. But the Greek freak, Yanis Antetokounmpo, if I'm pronouncing that correctly, he has had a season 
so far that has been fantastic. He's averaging 26.5 points a game, 12.6 rebounds, 6.1 assists so far this season. And the Bucks, as you said, exceeding expectations thus far this season. They are playing Memphis right now, and currently the score is 21-12 to as the Grizzlies, who have fallen back down to earth as of late, What's Milwaukee been able to do this season that makes them a little bit different than seasons of old? Because last season we thought they would be better than what they were. They only ended up in the seventh seed. Granted, they gave Boston all they could handle, but what made, what's made this team turn around and become the team that they are right now? Well, first, I mean, I would agree with you. Giannis is the MVP, and that may be an award that he gets or doesn't, but I think – an award that is going to come Milwaukee's way is coach of the year for Mike Budenholzer. And he's been a big difference. This team outside of a signing and a trade or two, this team is relatively the same as last year. What you're seeing is these guys just play up to their potential under Mike Budenholzer removed now from the Jason Kidd and then Joe Prunty era. The Bucks have this, they have this mentality that you have not equated with the Bucks in a long time where they not only do they not like to lose, but they don't think they should ever lose. And they get very upset when they do lose. They just had a road trip, uh, played three games before the game against the Heat last night in Milwaukee, and they went two or three. All right, they, they lost the game on the road. You know, a little road trip, you lose one, you win two, you feel pretty good about that. But Malcolm Brogdon was saying, no, we we expect to win every game. We expect to win every game on the road. There's two really cool stats right now that I think, and records right now that I think the Bucks uh, is a good indication of where this team's at. The Bucks right now are they're 12 and all after games in which they've lost. So when they lose, they're going to go out the next night and punish the next team they play. They have not lost after a loss yet this season. The other is, if you do beat them, they will come back and beat you the next time. They're 4-0 in these revenge games. And this is one tonight, too. The Grizzlies got the Bucks in Milwaukee earlier this season. But the Bucks earlier this year, they lost to Boston. Next time they played them, they beat them by 13. They lose to Portland. Next time they beat them, they, they play them, they beat them by 43. Lose to the Knicks. Next time it's a 14-point game. And then the Heat game on Tuesday – they lose to the Heat, and then they beat them by 38. So it's a mentality. It's using everybody on the roster. They're getting a lot out of Sterling Brown and D.J. Wilson, two guys that were there last season but now have clear, defined roles, playing major minutes and responding accordingly. Of course, it all starts with Giannis, but this is a, this is a team that has come together to play as a team and to play for their coach, and they've got this mentality that nobody should beat us. And on most nights, that's proven to be the case. Hey, TR here. I was just listening to that trend of uh, the the revenge factor and uh, what horrible timing, sir. Um, Pennsylvania and New Jersey, my my two main areas of dwelling, have legalized sports gambling. Now I have another uh, <laughs> thing I have to waste some money on. Hopefully the streaks will continue <laughs> if, 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 if I do choose to do so. But really quickly uh, – you know, there's a lot to Milwaukee, especially the coach, as you, as you mentioned. But I personally, Nate and I started this show, you know, a couple – I don't know how long it's been, but a couple seasons ago. And I was one of those Giannis skeptics, um, I, I, a sports center type 
uh, highlight reel to me. I, I didn't take the man seriously as a, you know, top, top echelon guy. And boy, did I eat my words, and I've said it on air many times. If Nate didn't tell me to actually watch some Bucks games every possession, I would have never got it. And then that, that, that 60 minute interview, which I'm sure you're familiar with, uh, which gave a, a look at his personality and how hard he's worked, where he's came from, et cetera. And on top of it, when I heard he worked out with Kobe Bryant this summer, uh, our prediction show, I almost pulled the trigger and had them at a number one seed, but I, I knocked them down a little bit and, and, and chose to go with Indiana. So um, the Greek freak is everything is advertised. I think the NBA is in a transitional period with uh, star power right now. And as much as James Harden gets the uh, notoriety, so to speak, maybe gets away with stepping back three to four steps to take that three-pointer, et cetera, and Steph Curry's been in and out with injury and so forth, I think I think Giannis is, is the best candidate to take over that lead. Uh, what's your thoughts on his uh, star power? Well, speaking of betting, uh, it, was, it was April of 2016, and uh, I was talking, same show I'm on now in Milwaukee, but I was talking with my co-host about Giannis and how good I thought he could be one day. And I think Durant was still on the thunder at the time. So we were talking about, would you rather have, someone tweeted us, would you rather have Durant for the rest of his career and Giannis? And at the time, I mean, Durant was the clear answer, but we got into a discussion about Giannis's potential. And I said, guys, this is a guy that, could be a top 100 guy in the, in the league someday. And we ended up betting on him being an MVP someday in his life. Well, now he's a front runner for that. He gave me five to one odds at a hundred bucks. So I'm, wow. I'm really hoping to cash that in coming up pretty soon. But I, I think it's, I'm glad you brought up that 60 minutes piece because what you're seeing with Giannis is a guy who came up differently than a lot of these other guys came up. And I'm talking a lot about the guys that come up through AAU, play ball in America. You know, the NBA is all over the place. They get treated at a young age as a star. They're thinking pros at a young age. They're thinking pros at 11. They're thinking pros at 12. They're thinking, I'm going to have my own shoes someday. And I think Giannis, when they were over in Greece, when he was growing up, he was just thinking about surviving and making money for his family and selling trinkets on the street and, and trying to, you know, get a meal under a roof the next night. And along the way, he developed into this basketball player. And when you, when the Bucks first drafted him, you, you listen back to some of the audio that we talked about on our station, and it's just a lot of people because it's, it's a guy that you don't know who he is, and you've seen in these guys get drafted from overseas where the average fan has no idea. Not to right. mention this guy, you can't spell his name. You can't say his name. He, the only video that you can find of him is grainy in some, like, recreational YMCA gym. And so it's very easy to dismiss him off. And I think maybe he's used a little bit of that to his motivation. It's just, I, I, you can't be blamed for seeing Giannis early and having no idea he would turn into this. But now that he is this, I do hope the league is taking notice. He is a star and, and he's just, he's a different kind of person than some of these other stars. He's very humble. Every league in every city in the league now is doing these Greek heritage nights when the Bucks come to town. And and Giannis is taking that in stride. 
He is staying before, uh, after games. He's coming before games. He's signing autographs. You know, the team bus has to wait to leave for Giannis to sign these autographs outside of Madison Square Garden. So he is embracing that. He is a very humble guy. Uh, he lived downtown Milwaukee here in an apartment that, I mean, was very affordable for a long time. I think he did finally move out into the suburbs and buy a house more suited to his, his contract. But he's very humble. Uh, there's a lot of people already want to speculate where he's going to go after this. And for a long time, I thought, yeah, you know, he'll eventually do what stars do and, and leave and go somewhere else. But the more you watch him, the more that you think maybe this will be the guy to stay in his city. Maybe he is so enamored with Milwaukee. He's a loyal guy. So I, I don't know how that's going to play out. But if there's anyone that's going to buck that trend of stars chasing a, a ring with other stars, it's Giannis, and I think that that's, that's huge for Milwaukee right now. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah, and uh, buck that trend. I like that. That was good. Nice little. Oh, man, I didn't mean to. <laughs> no, I liked it. But another guy I think we need to look at for the Milwaukee Bucks, uh, Chris Middleton. And this is a guy Milwaukee got, got in a trade from Detroit back in 2013 they traded Middleton, the, the Pistons traded Middleton, who was a second-round draft pick, to Milwaukee for, along with Brandon Knight and another gentleman, who I'm not even going to attempt to pronounce that name if I'm looking at it. <laughs> ah, what the hell, we'll try it anyway. Uh, Vitoslav Krotsov, if I'm saying that, yeah, say that three times. Who cares? Back. You're fine. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> and they trade, Milwaukee trades Brandon Jennings along with that. Now, Brandon Knight... Um, yeah, a good player, but not exactly what, uh, not exactly the great career that we all hope for, but Brandon Jennings is gone. And then Milwaukee lucks out and gets a hold of this Chris Middleton guy who turns into a stud player for them. And they really developed him and he's really kind of a, a grown talent because he didn't do much in Detroit. Now, if you look at his stat line, here he is averaging 17.7 a game, five and a half or 5.8 rebounds, 4.1 assists, and he's really contributing to this Bucks team. What does Middleton mean to this team now that they have a certified star? And Middleton, I look at him as probably the number two on this team. How is he accepting that role as a guy who was taken in the second round? It's been very interesting because the Bucks had this plan a few years ago uh, built around Jabari Parker. He was their draft pick at number two. But along the way, uh, they also they bring in, like we talked about, Giannis out of nowhere. And then this throwing in this trade, Chris Middleton, who has on some nights almost been the best player on that court, even with Giannis out there. The playoff series against Boston, a really good example. Mil- Middleton's kind of a polarizing guy of sorts in Milwaukee just because of the way that he's not perceived to always live up to his contract and what the contract might be that he is in line for. When he first signed a contract for about, you know, 14, 15 million per, that was a big shock to everybody. That was before that summer that the cap went up and guys like, you know, Timothy Mozgov were making bank for $65 million for four years. The Bucks got Middleton, a little bit early and so now this deal is like a bargain but at the time there was sort of that yeah what are we doing here and I think that's kind of lingered on because now you've got Middleton who's going to be a free agent 
And people are talking about $25, $30 million to retain him. The Bucks have a lot of guys that are going to be free agents. So as great as this is right now, there is sort of a, a caution to jump all the way in because Bledsoe's a free agent. Brogdon's a restricted. Uh, Lopez has been great on this one-year deal. Obviously, he'll be a free agent. And then Middleton. Middleton, I think Bucks fans will be okay if he gets the $30 million if he plays like he did in Boston in that series every night. But there's been times, there's been stretches where he just goes in slumps. He goes in slumps for multiple games where he's not shooting at all. Uh, this system is designed for more of shots in the paint and then, you know, system uh, designed for more three-point shots. And Middleton's kind of been a mid-range guy. So even though it's not entirely congruent with Bud's system, they're trying to work that part of his game back into it and get him more comfortable. And he's been very good of late. There was that stretcher on the holidays where he, he was kind of rough. He missed the game for personal reasons. We don't exactly know what happened there. There were rumors about what had happened that I think have been refuted. But for the most part, he's been a streaky guy. He's either been very, very hot or, or somewhat cold. And if he's somewhat cold, I think the Bucks are kind of worse off for that. When, when they just played the other day against uh, – who did they play on Friday night? Who did they play on Friday night? They, they didn't have Giannis. It was a game before Atlanta. I know it doesn't matter, but it's like racking my brain. It's killing me. On Friday, the Bucks played played Washington. They played Washington. Oh, yeah, 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 So Giannis didn't play in that game, and that's the kind of situation where who's going to step up, and you would like to see Middleton take over a game or Bledsoe take over a game, Brogdon or or Lopez. And they haven't done that to that point. So it's going to be very interesting this offseason how much the Bucks value him and what the reaction from fans is going to be like. Because if somebody, if, if if the Bucks don't want to pay him the twenty five, thirty million dollars per year, somebody else might. Somebody else might, especially if guys, you know, the free agency market isn't full of stars. If some of these guys do decide to stay where they are, Middleton's going to be in high demand. So the market's going to be whether he's worth it or not. The market's going to be there for him. So it's going to be interesting. The Bucks, if they're going to win a title, if they're going to go to the Eastern Conference Finals. They need Middleton to play like he did in that Celtics playoff series. Sometimes this year he has, but sometimes this year he hasn't. Yeah, it's interesting, Nate, that you brought up Middleton because um, it didn't come from the organization. Uh, for the record, I'm a Sixers guy. Um, and there's there's another you know uh, Sixers-dedicated podcast that has, has thrown out the name Middleton there as a possible – Sixers as a possible suitor and uh, – like you said, he may be in high demand. I, I, you know, I don't know enough about him. I haven't watched as many Milwaukee games as I generally do during a, a different season. But um, so the Philadelphia, I don't know if it came from the organization or just you know fan groundswell type of thing. He seems to be a favor of that particular podcast. Um, two two other things real quick before I let Nate back. Um, one, uh, the the Greek the echo to Greek freak um, and the. Uh, the, the situation he does on the road with uh, people of Greek origin. Uh, I, the guy seems so likable. I, 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 I rarely become a fanboy, but I, I'm tempted to get a fake ID that calls me Tom Papadopoulos just so I could show up that night and be, <laughs> be welcomed there <laughs> in, in, in that group just so I could 
kind of buddy up with the Greek freak. Uh, but moving on to something, you know, slightly more serious. I, I haven't, as I said for about the third time, I haven't paid close attention to the Bucks game by game, stat by stat. It's been a busy, uh, busy track for me this, this season so far. Um, my my sleeper was being a homer Philadelphia guy was Dante DiVincenzo. Uh, how how has he come out? I don't even know if he's he's in the rotation. I don't know if he's hurt, healthy, et cetera. Has he added to their to their team at all? The last two years when the Bucks have drafted guys, they've like buried them, and, and you barely saw anything of them. And so Dante yeah. DiVincenzo was different in that regard because he was playing some major minutes early. And he was being asked to do a lot, and he was contributing. After the first month, then, they kind of went and played Pat Connaughton in that role. And now they're kind of okay. using, uh, like, Sterling Brown and, and DJ Wilson as these last guys off the bench role. So, DiVincenzo had a really good start to his career here. But uh-huh. now he's been playing the G League shuffle, where he'll go down and then come up and go down and then come up. That's one thing that I don't know too much about Mike Budenholzer is, what he likes to do with these lineups. Most of his rotations have been like 10-man rotations. And so DiVincenzo's fallen out of that after being there in the beginning. But I don't know if that is a performance thing because he's doing fine. And he did have a little bit of a cold streak. So he's kind of been, been pushed off. But Pat Connaughton had a big month. And now he barely plays. And so I don't know if that's giving these guys some run, uh, you know, a lot of what the Bucks are doing right now is getting ready for the playoffs, I think, because they are, you know, rolling over a lot of these teams. Um, and I say that, and I see they're only up four against Memphis right now. But I, I, I would expect DiVincenzo to later in the season have the type of role he was having in the beginning of the season. So he has played. It's just it's been a while since we've talked about him so much because now he's doing the, the G League back and forth thing. Gotcha. And another guy that the Bucks are using a lot of this season, uh, Malcolm Brogdon. Uh, he's turned into a, a great player. Another second-round draft pick. So anybody that ever says a second-round draft pick doesn't mean anything, you're wrong. So I'll just go ahead and say that. But, um, yeah, I mean, you look at, at Brogdon. He's done a great job here. Another guy that, that fits in so well to this rotation. Um, and and just there just seems like there's so many weapons here for – Milwaukee and on top of all that you look and it's like oh by the way they still have one of the best players in the league so Malcolm Brogdon what's your what do you think on with him you said he's going to be a restricted free agent soon obviously I think they're going to resign him what's your thoughts on Brogdon yeah him and uh Sterling Brown so both Brogdon and Sterling Brown second round picks that are getting a lot of major minutes uh, with the Bucks, I think was Middleton a second-round pick with Detroit? I'd have to look that up. But I, the Bucks are certainly using those guys in key fashions. And all these guys fit around Giannis very well, too. Uh, Malcolm's great in that role around Giannis. And this team, I thought good things for this team. I really did before the season. I thought, all right, top four, that should be easy. Uh, 50 wins, that would be nice. But I think over the last month, month and a half, really noticing how strong that depth is to that last point where DiVincenzo was playing all the time. And now he can barely get back into the lineup because there are so many guys ahead of him because of how deep this team is. Guys like Tony Snell are playing a key role. Ersan Eliasova is playing a key role. What did it for me was the first round pick a couple of years ago out of Michigan, DJ Wilson, who 
was really considered as an after, I mean, an afterthought of all afterthoughts. There was no attention given to him. He runs sort of like, uh, like a, I don't know. He just doesn't look natural when he runs. Uh, he's very lanky. His Twitter account is lanky smooth. Uh, so he is very lanky. He plays into that. And he started getting this role out of nowhere where he's playing major minutes. He's locking down guys like Blake Griffin. He's playing some great defense. He can shoot the three. So the Bucks seem to, for the last few years, been collecting this type, guys that can defend hard, guys that can shoot the three, and guys that can rebound. And now it's all paying off for them. And, and to go back to Brogdon, he is a great facilitator of that. He's a perfect fit on this team. And that's why you do kind of wonder what this team is going to look like next year because can they afford all these guys? Who are they going to choose to pay? So that's something to talk about and speculate on. But in the meantime, you've got this core. You've got this team that could do, go on a really nice run if everything breaks for them and everybody stays healthy and they keep playing like they have been. It's just going to be a matter of where they end up in the playoffs, what kind of ball they're playing when they get to that point, and then you go from there. But I, I just think the depth in Brogdon as a starter, yes, but the guys behind him, uh, just how deep they are, how everybody's got a defined role and everybody plays into that, there's a lot of optimism around this Bucks team right now, as there should be. T.R., do you got anything else you want to run by Bar before we let him go? Nah, man, it's been great. I, 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 you know, now I'm caught up with Dante DiVincenzo, the Michael Jordan of Delaware and Villanova's uh, MVP <laughs> in the national championship. And hopefully he'll find his redheaded ways back into the lineup and, uh, and represent my area. Um, truthfully, I'm a Sixers guy. And uh, my final thought is they, they frustrate the hell out of me other than last night. Um, and if, mm. if they have, if they stumble again in the playoffs, I'm rooting for Milwaukee. I think well, the whole show I here is like, secret like Milwaukee that, fans. <laughs> I think we're all secret Milwaukee fans here on Wide Men Can't Jump, honestly, because they're probably the most likable team in the league right now. So <laughs> I'm, I think we're all kind of pulling for them a little bit over here. So, you know, if Milwaukee were to make it to the finals, you would hear no arguments from me. I would be totally okay with that. No, I think they can get there. I think the Warriors would smoke them, but I do think they can get there, and that's all I'm that's all I'm hoping for right now. Yeah. Well, Bart, thanks again for jumping on with us, and why don't you let our listeners know where they can find you and keep up with you and learn about all things Milwaukee? We're talking Bucks. We're talking Packers, Brewers, everything Wisconsin at uh, 105.7 FM. The Fan in Milwaukee. It's a station you can find on the Radio.com app. Uh, Chuck and Winkler is the name of the show, and you can find me at Winks Thinks on Twitter and Facebook. All right. Well, thanks, Bart, again for jumping on. You're, if you need to know anything, Packers, Brewers, Bucks, beer or cheese, that's the man to get in contact with, Bart Winkler. Thanks again, man, for jumping on with us. We hope to have you back real soon. Hey, good time, yeah, Bart. thanks, guys. Good, good, good chatting. Always, always. Thanks again. All right. That was Bart Winkler. From 105.7, the fan in Milwaukee, and we will take a quick timeout and be right back. I'm too sexy for my love, too sexy for my love, love's going to leave. WowFreeCam.com is the number one cam site on the internet, and they are our gracious sponsors, and we want to invite you to check them out over at WowFreeCam.com. Anything you could imagine 
And whatever you want is just one click away if you go to wowfreecam.com. What's some of the things you could check out over on wowfreecam.com? Motorboat? Play the motorboat? You motorboat son of a bitch, you old sailor you. Or you could be into... Two chicks at the same time, man. Whatever it is that you're looking up for, wowfreecam.com will leave you with one reaction and one reaction only. You won't want to miss out all the fun going on at wowfreecam.com, so be sure to show them some love and go over. Hey, it's in the name. It's all free. Must be 18 or older to access the website, but make sure you get there as quick as you can to check out all the fun going on over at wowfreecam.com. Again, must be 18 or older to visit. Big thanks to our sponsor at wowfreecam.com. Appreciate all their support. And, uh, Tim, you're back in here with us, and uh, we've got a very special guest. Ladies and gentlemen, it is Tom Papa Nikolai. From his Greek roots. Oh. Jesus. <laughs> oh, Paul, Tom Papadopoulos. Yeah. Yeah, Tom Papadopoulos. <laughs> yes, sir. I think he. I think he stole that from uh, Vegas Vacation. No, it was Nick Papa Giorgio. Yeah, Papa Giorgio. That's right. You're right. Yeah. Uh, Papa Papadopoulos. Wasn't that the name of the guy that battled Eminem in Eight Mile? Wow. I actually, I, I watched Eight Mile, but I don't get the reference. But I, I never saw it. So they, they, they called the guy Papa Doc. <laughs> you would, uh, you would probably get Ed Boggs is laughing his ass that, off right uh, now. I don't care what you all say. He might. Uh, that uh, our the last guest uh, isn't. Is it fitting that Bart Winkler is from Milwaukee? Do you get the con- the connection there? Happy days. Correct. Henry Winkler. Laverne and Shirley, etc. Yeah, very good. Thank you, sir. I think we, I think we may, I think we may have just pulled the most random thing in the world by referencing not only Eight Mile and then Happy Days, but we did them back to back. So what that's the, the chances that a guy's last name are Winkler. He covers the Bucks from Milwaukee, and that just happens yeah. to be where Happy Days and Laverne and Shirley are both set. That's kind of interesting. That's true. It's pretty cool. But uh, let's go ahead and get to our new segment that was actually a pretty cool hit last week. Uh, Tim and I were able, or no, Tom and I were able to do it. And now Tim and Tom are here with with us this week. So we're going to, uh, let's go ahead and do the new segment where we dive in and take a look at one draft pick from the era that is the NBA lottery. So here's what I'm going to do. Tim, give me a year from 1985 up until present. No, give me uh, 1994. All right, 1994. Tom, I'm going to need you to give me a number between 1 and 30. 11. 11. All right, so we've got the 1994 NBA draft, and we're going to look at the 11th draft pick. So let's go ahead and dive in as we search here. 1994, at the top of the list for that was Glenn Robinson, Jason Kidd, Grant Hill, Juan Howard, Danielle Marshall, guys you've heard of. But we go down here 
to the 11th pick of the draft. Carlos Dion Rogers, taken by the Seattle Supersonics with the 11th overall pick. I remember Carlos Rogers. I don't remember the Dion being there. Is that the same person? Yeah, same guy. Uh, Rogers was in, born in Detroit, Michigan, graduated from Northwestern. He's six eleven forward center from the University of Arkansas at Little Rock and Tennessee State. He played eight seasons in the NBA from 94 to 2002. He played for the Warriors, Raptors, Trailblazers, Rockets, and Pacers. Played in a total of 298 games and scored 2,196 points. So let's take a look here at the individual stats. Well, those, Mr. Teams he, those teams he played for probably sucked in that era, but right now it would be awesome to play for those guys. Warriors, yeah, Pacers, yeah. et cetera. <laughs> yeah, he sounds like, uh, definitely sounds like one of those guys that uh, if, you, if you listen to it now, it's like, wow, this guy was a champion. Uh, uh-huh. His first season in the NBA, he was actually drafted by the Seattle Supersonics in the first round. But I I don't think he actually ever played for them because I'm looking here. Seattle took him, but he ended up getting moved to Golden State, I believe, on draft night. So he never did play for Seattle. Uh, First season in the league, averaged 8.9 points per game uh, with 5.7 rebounds. And then the next season, he's uh, traded to Toronto, plays up there for a while in Tim's neck of the woods. 7.7 7.7 points per game with three rebounds per game. Did you know Did you know how he got there? How did he get there? Uh, the, the Raptors were uh, won the coin flip. Uh, 95 was their first season, uh, and they selected uh, B.J. Armstrong, and he would not report from Chicago. So oh, they, wow. traded Arms, they traded Armstrong to Golden State for Carlos Rogers, and that's wow, how he's I, a... He's a he is a first uh, a plank owner, as they say, for the uh, Toronto Raptors. I did not know that. I really, I did not. That is interesting. Neither Absolutely did, I. did not. Uh, so look, look at, I only look know. At him. I only know that because it's the Raptors. That's the only reason I know That's that. Very true. Um, and then ninety six, ninety seven had his best year of his career. He averaged nine point eight points per game. And he averaged a block, 1.2 blocks per game as well, along with 5.4 rebounds. Uh, he played for Toronto for a while, ended up in Portland in 1997, was traded about midway through the season from Toronto, uh, didn't do much in Portland, eventually ended up in Houston for a couple of years in 99-2000, and then in 01 in Indiana. Uh, and he averaged only 2.7 points per game in his final season in the league. Career stats looking 7.4 points per game, 4.3 rebounds per game for his career. Didn't even average a full block. So, uh, Carlos Rogers, the 94 draft. Taking a look at the rest of the draft. Here's some of the guys that uh, the Sonics passed up on. Passed up on Jalen Rose. You may have heard that name. Aaron McKee, another guy they could have taken. Uh, Monty Williams was a pretty good player in the NBA that I can recall. So, uh, 94 draft, not exactly star-studded once you got to the 11th pick, but, you know, going in front of Carlos Rogers was Eddie Jones. The Lakers took him, and Eric Montrose was there. Uh, Sharon Wright. So, 
So a lot of players in that draft, but uh, Glenn Robinson, Jason Kidd, Grant Hill, that's obviously the, the cream of the crop at the top of the draft. So it doesn't, doesn't sound Rogers. that bad. It what doesn't it? Uh, sound – I'm sorry. Was that Tim? No, it was me. Go ahead. Uh, it doesn't – I mean, Jason Kidd, obviously a Hall of Famer, and the, the, the rest of the group as a whole, at least double digits worth, that sounds like a pretty talented class. If you got ten guys that yeah. actually have a, have a decent name, and, and Rodgers, 8.9, and I think you said uh, – 8.9 points, and I think you said 6.7 rebounds, you know, for a guy who's – it's not a bad rookie contribution, in, in my opinion, if you're, uh, you know, 11th pick. I'm trying, no, to figure no, out, I'm trying to figure out why he was the 11th pick when he, uh, like in college, he played for Little Rock, but then transferred to Tennessee State. Uh, I'm wondering what Tennessee State did in the two years he was there that he managed. Because, uh, you know, he obviously didn't have that much of a, you know, 298 games is not really just a cup of coffee. Um, like, is he one of these guys that, like, why was he, why did he get picked so high and then kind of flamed Because he was 6'11". Was it a miss? <laughs> I mean, yeah, he, I mean, that didn't, that didn't miss, but that didn't hurt. But was he just a miss in the draft or was he one of these ones that, because it seems like he doesn't really, I, I'm trying to find something in his resume that would make me go, okay. I understand why they picked him, but I'm not really seeing anything. So I'm trying to figure well, out. At, at Tennessee State in 92-93, he did average 20.3 points per game. And then in 93-94, he averaged 24.5 points a game. He had three blocks per game and uh, was averaging 11.7 rebounds at Tennessee State once he transferred from Little Rock. So is this maybe a, a case of uh, 90s big man syndrome, maybe? He's big, um, so he'll... I mean, he's big, but he had great games at Tennessee State. Maybe, you know, maybe it was a reach where he played at a smaller college. But we've seen guys at smaller colleges pay off before. Like, I'm looking at guys like uh, J.J. Redick, or not J.J. Redick, excuse me, but uh, C.J. McCollum, Damian Lillard, Weaver State, and Lee, or Lehigh and Weaver State, respectively. Um, sometimes you can you can get those bigger guys. I mean, look at Larry Bird. I mean, my God, he went to Indiana State. Of course, he was at Indiana, don't get me wrong. But, you know. It's one of those. He did you look play at the numbers. The, uh, he passes the eye test. So yeah, he he did play for the men's uh, national team in the Universiade and won a gold medal in 1993. So maybe that got him some press or something. Maybe I don't know. I do, I do not know. Well, anyway, but anyway, that's going to be our segment for this week. Uh, looking back at a draft pick from the past, Carlos Rogers this week was the guy. The first week was Jordan Farmar. So we're getting some obscure oh draft guys. And I'm, I've been, I, this has been fun. I love looking back at this. So do, do we label Carlos Rogers uh, not a flop, but an underachiever probably? Is that what we're going I'm not going to call him a flop. I'm going to say he had a, a nice NFL, or not NFL, a nice NBA career, but uh, I'm Didn't not going to say. up to the potential he, maybe? Eh. We'll say under underwhelming. All right, fair enough. I'll go with that. All right. You got to log. You got to log. You got to log these gentlemen and uh, and and then go on a search so we can see if we can grab them for some old stories uh, in the future down the line. <laughs> I, I'll do that. I'll definitely write those down. But uh, guys, I want to do. I do want to talk to you about one thing. It's a serious issue here 
it's basketball related, but at the same time, it's it's, it's bigger than basketball. Uh, and this, to me, this has been a very strange story to follow. Um, have you guys been keeping up with the Ennis Cantor situation? I have. I, I read that. I was going to bring it up, but you did. So continue. Well, let's let me go ahead and uh, and bring this up now. Uh, Ennis Cantor um, is a Turkish immigrant, and apparently, the Turkish government has prosecutors that are trying to get Ennis Cantor extradited back to Turkey to face charges of terrorism, and they are accusing him of being a terrorist. Of course, Ennis Cantor is denying this. Um, He posted a picture of him dunking the ball earlier on Twitter and said, the only thing I terrorize is the rim. And he said, Turkish government cannot present any single piece of of, of evidence of my wrongdoing. I don't even have a parking ticket in the United States. I have always been a law-abiding citizen. So, apparently, the Turkish government, uh, there was a rumor going around a while back that Cantor was not going to go to London for the Knicks game overseas, and there was a rumor that maybe the Turkish government was out to get him there while he was overseas. He refused to go. Uh, So now he's kind of staying in the United States, and Turkey is seeking asylum to bring him, or not asylum, but extradition to bring him there while Cantor is saying he has done nothing wrong. And then, of course, there was the report that his uh, father was killed by the Turkish government before they ever got him back to Turkey. So, again, this is all rumor. Uh, From what I'm reading on Twitter, there's been some Wall Street, or not Wall Street Journal, but there's been some newspaper reports out there about this. What do you know about it, Tim? And TR, what do you know about it if you've heard anything? Well, the the story that I know, I'm not quite sure what he did. From what I understand, he was verbally, um, I don't know what words you want to use, not a fan of the current government. Which critical I, would be the word. He was critical right. of the government. So I went and looked up what, what what's happened in Turkey. I don't want to get too much into this because it's not about basketball. Um, they have a new government there as of 2018 that works a lot, from what I can gather, like the Russian system. They have a president but he has executive power to pretty much do whatever it is he wants to do. Uh, And they do not have a very good record for human rights and a few other things that the rest of us in the world kind of take for granted. And I think he was critical of those things. And because he is an NBA basketball player and some of the stuff he says, you know, gets some press in places maybe they didn't want to see it, that they're not happy about it. I would think it's mostly – probably hot air, but you never know. Well, I, I, I found it, I, I, I attended a Knicks Sixers game and I did find it odd that in pregame warmups, every time he dunked, he, you know, screamed a la Akbar. Um, other than that, <laughs> I have no reason to believe. Support the views of all of us at Wide Men Can't Jump. <laughs> <laughs> no, they don't. <laughs> Oh, I have no reason to believe that he would be involved in any shoe bombing on planes or um, anything atypical of a Muhammad Atta-like figure. Actually, uh, in all seriousness, uh, I, I know that he he was very he's always in in the middle of the uh, physical part of.
uh, esque one of his quotes uh, <laughs> against the Sixers. We you lost you there for it? a second. You got cut off there for a second. We, the last words we heard were, he's always involved in, and then, then you went away for a second. Try it again. Yeah, the, uh, certain parts in, uh, where I'm at, uh, uh, it goes in and out. But um, Damn pals, there was a, it, it, was, it was a little uh, – I'm, I'm kind of speaking out of turn because I don't remember exactly, but one of his quotes, it was it might have been towards Embiid, somebody, uh, you know, with the Sixers, not not this season, the season's passed, uh, was a little bit about, you know, dying for his brothers and he considers his uh, – teammates his brothers and things of that nature and that's why he got involved in this uh, altercation and i was like that dude's kind of weird and uh but if it's any if it's any consolation he's been pictured many times with israelite paul Heyman. he's a Heyman guy self-professed actually has a picture with him and brock and Heyman at the garden so i don't know hmm. if he's a terrorist well, he he's is, a terroristic he wrestling is, fan he is involved with dana brooke so you know they're an item uh, I read a little further here that the Tur- Turkish uh, there has been 1,600 judgments in the European court against Turkey in the last 10 years regarding rights to life, freedom from torture, women's rights, LGBT rights, and the freedom of the press. So they got some issues going on there, obviously, and he maybe spoke yeah. a little too loudly and somebody heard him, and uh, they don't like that he's not towing the line, I guess, but... Yeah, and granted, we don't want to turn this into a political show or to anything like that, but this is a, a big news story right now with the NBA involving one of its players. And, uh, you know, as far as, as I look at it, hopefully they just leave him alone, let let Cantor um, just do his job. Uh, let him play basketball, keep him here, keep him safe, and just, you know, but hopefully this blows over eventually. And if you're Cantor, just don't go overseas, man. That's all I can tell you. Uh, that's the way I'm looking at it. Well, I have to wonder he what kind of uh, uh, national. I mean, he says he's Turkish, but he was born in Switzerland. So I wonder. Uh, yeah, I mean that, that seems kind of. Oh, okay, all his right. father is, is okay. Oh, and there, see, there it becomes more clear. There, his father is an academic. So, of course, they probably probably don't like him at all. You can do the math there for yourself. And now things become slightly clear. This might be more of a uh, we'll get at the father through the son kind of thing. He's a history professor. So, yeah, all right. That becomes quite much clearer to me. Yeah. Watch your back, Enos. Just watch your back, dude. And uh, Turkey, be nice. Definitely. So, uh Anyway, let's shift gears from that just incredibly depressing story. And last okay. night was a night of blowouts in the NBA, in, in case anybody uh, was unaware after the way we talked earlier about... Can we talk about uh, Can we talk about LeBron instead? Well, we will get quickly. to LeBron because we will be joined here just in a moment um, right. by yeah. Nate Wolf, who writes for NBA Math. And I promised him, we are going to get to LeBron. We will let you rant your little heart's content about LeBron. I promise. Um, But Nate Wolf should be joining us here any moment. And when we get him on, we're going to talk. We're going to go around the league with Nate Wolf. So uh, from this Nate, who's a Wolves fan, to Nate Wolf, 
uh, and <laughs> Dr. and I and Tim will all go around the league, and we're all going to discuss what the happenings and the the taking place of events in the NBA, because there's a lot to get to. There's a lot going on in the NBA right now. Maybe not something you'll see like storyline wise in terms of, oh hey, we've got you know all this stuff and making big news. But if you're paying close attention to the NBA, there's a lot going on. And the games last night were telling. Uh, one game that I do want to discuss, uh, in case you guys missed it, was the blowout game between Golden State and Denver. And this was at Denver, which is one of the toughest places to win in the league. The Warriors put up 51 points in the first quarter. Not the first half, the first quarter. NBA points. Yeah, NBA record. And the Sixers actually last night scored their most points since um, the year I was born, 1990. So there was that. And if you look at the stat line here for Golden State last night, Curry 31, Thompson 31, Durant 27, none of them played 30 minutes. Not one even, of them played 30 minutes. There was even some other blowouts. I mean, the Hawks beat the Thunder by, what, 16 or 18? I mean, it was 142 to 126. Yeah. It was a ridiculous yeah, it was, score. Uh, 16. Uh, the Collins Bucks had, had, had 26. And uh, Trey yeah, Young I mean, had 26 some points, 11 weird, assists. Uh, uh, what, uh, the Bucks won by, like, 38 or something? They pounded Miami? I mean, it was some, there was some weird Pacers, stuff going on last Pacers night. Were up, Pacers were up big when I checked. I don't know what they ended up winning by, but they were. They won 131 oh, yeah, to they, 90. Yeah, they won by 34, too. I mean, it was there was some just unholy scores last night. It's one uh, of those nights I wish they, I was tipped off. Yeah, really. Quick update yeah, at halftime, the must... Celtics lead the Raptors at the half, 64-53 to 53 at home. <laughs> but, guys, speaking of speaking of NBA, we're joined right now with by Nate Wolf from NBA Math. What's up, Nate? Thanks for coming on. How's it going, guys? Hey, Nate. How's it going, buddy? Good to be here. I mean, there's a crew of us here right now, and we just want to kind of – if that's okay with you, we just want to jump around the league. Each of us will take a field of question and throw it at you, and we'll have a little discussion. Um, Tim, since you're since you're the Raptors man right now, you're talking about the Raptors, go ahead and, and you lead us off. If you want to talk about the Raptors, you yeah. got a question for Nate. I don't too much throw to say about, about the Raptors. I, just, I kind of want to more talk about last night and what was in the water in the NBA last night with these ridiculous scores. Yeah, I mean, some crazy, crazy stuff. Um, I mean, it's gonna, I feel like it's going to be like that from here on out, you know. Um, not necessarily with, like, any any kind of, like, rule changes or anything like that, but, you know, like, uh, the thing with, with three-point shooting is that, you know, the more – there's there's a lot of variance there. So, you know, if teams start hitting, you know, 50% of their threes like teams were last night, uh, the Warriors especially, then, you know – and, and they're taking a ton of those shots, uh, you're going to get some crazy, crazy score lines, especially when it all happens on one night. But, um, yeah, I mean, I've, I've, I feel like there have been a few of those nights this year in the NBA. Um, yeah, there was the – like something happened when Harden had his 50-point his triple-double uh, back last month uh, on the same night. There was the, uh, the Luka game winner night. You know, it's been a good regular season so far. Yeah, Nate, uh, TR here. Um, I'm, a, I'm a Philly guy, and, 
you know, for the last several seasons, uh, you know, not not so much early in this season, but I DVR every game. I try to watch every possession that I can. And, uh, you know, this, this season they were slated for 37 national television games. They were kind of the darling of, uh, you know, must-see TV, if you will. Uh, but me as a as a hardcore observer of the team, um, you know, I can be as critical as anyone. I want them to win overall. Uh, where are you? Where Where are you based at first? Before I ask the question, I'm based out of DC. Okay, cool. Um, DC, we just had a back to back, and you know, typical uh, fashion, Sixers went down there, and obviously lost the back to back to a uh, non uh, full John Wallace uh, Washington squad, and uh, you know, they're night and day at home and on the road, and. You know, the ESPN Sports Centers of the world, et cetera, they have name guys, et cetera. And, uh, you know, some of the commentators were talking about possibly J.J. Redick being a fourth all-star if Ben gets in and this, that, and the other. They look like world beaters at home, but quite frankly, they're not that good of a team on the road. What's the national perception or at least the perception down there of the Philadelphia 76ers? Yeah, so, I mean, the, the Sixers have a, a – four guy rotation at the top that can compete with just about anyone in the league are the Warriors. Um, you know, with Butler, Embiid, Simmons, and Redick, you have an incredible, um, you know, four-man unit. The problem is that you play with five people on the court. And I think a lot of the home-away splits with them, I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that role players traditionally don't play as well on the road as they do at home. That's just that that's kind of a trope at this point, but it can be true. Um, and for the Sixers, I think it's it's just been difficult to find that fifth guy. Um, you know, they've been starting Wilson Chandler, obviously. Uh, Cork Moss has been playing. Um, yeah, I, I think that they need to – I think that with the six, where the Sixers are right now, I think they need to make a deal to get a little bit more depth um, where the assets are coming from, if they're willing to trade Markel Fultz. Um, I think that's an open question, but – Right now, I think that you know they're they're just sort of a little bit of depth away from competing at the very upper echelon of the East with Toronto, Milwaukee, and, and maybe Boston. Yeah, I would throw Indiana in there as well. I don't think they in a, in a seven game series could compete with Indiana, considering how bad they are on the road. But uh, I'm pretty much on the same page with you with that. Uh, Nate to Nate. Um, let me run this by you, Nate. I'm sitting here looking, and I'm. I'm looking out west right now, and I did title this episode How the West Was Won, so I'm looking at it. Obviously, Golden State, Denver, Oklahoma City, Houston, those are your top four. Uh, Portland staying playing well. I'm still not sold on the Clippers as well as they've looked this season. I'm just kind of waiting on the bottom to fall out on them. And without LeBron, the Lakers are struggling. They've fallen down to the eight. And I'm looking outside the top eight, Utah, Sacramento, Minnesota, New Orleans, Dallas. Uh, Memphis finally came back down to earth a little bit. But there's about four or five teams vying for, you know, a top, a bottom four spot in the playoffs. Um, first of all, of of the teams that we're looking at out west, who's contenders, who's pretenders, uh, who do you think can actually vie for a playoff spot? I know Minnesota got blown out last night, and as a Wolves fan, it hurt. But, you know, at times they've looked brilliant. Sacramento's looked great with their young talent. Utah's kind of struggling, but they're turning it around. Who's going to be the team out there that that's probably good enough to make the playoffs but's going to miss 
out west? I'm not sure right now who who my eight would be uh, to make the playoffs. I think that I think that the Jazz will sneak in. Uh, they've been surging recently. They're they're tied with the Lakers in uh, in record. Uh, they're just behind in the tiebreaker. Um, and I think the Lakers will stay in. I, I would say that the Clippers probably have the best chance of dropping out. Um, I like their team. Um, I think that it's a really well balanced attack. They're fun to watch. Um, Montrez Harrell is definitely in Sixth Man of the Year conversation. You have Tobias Harris in the All Star conversation. They're playing really well, um, but I think that uh, after sort of being a really, really good defensive team for the first month or two of the year, that's kind of dropped off a little bit. Um, and I think that, you know, of those teams, Utah, the Pelicans, um, you know, even uh, the Timberwolves to some extent, these are all two-way teams that I think could, could sneak in just off the, bit, off the um, fact that they're kind of able to play both ends of the court. I think that – the Clippers, um, I think that they could fall off a little bit. Uh, so I, I would say I would have them the most likely to drop out of the eight teams currently in, and I think the Jazz most likely to go uh, back in, into the playoff mix. Um, but I think the Spurs might also be in trouble as well. They kind of rode a hot streak from, from the Marcus Aldridge there just now. Um, and, you know, if, if that stops and his shooting is unsustainable, I think you might be looking at the uh, – first playoff this year for, for Greg Popovich tomorrow. Okay. Um, Tim, do you have anything else you want to run by Nate as we're kind of going around the horn here? You gotta... Sure. Let, let's, let's get Nate's uh, opinion on my, on my Raptors and whether, uh, whether they're for real or not. Yeah, I think the Raptors are for real. Um, you know, I, I was watching this game just now. Um, obviously the second quarter was a little bit weird. Um, Greg Monroe is playing, so that was bizarre. Um, but yeah, I mean, the best record in in uh, they've, they've surpassed the Bucks now. Yeah, best record in the East. And to me, I, I texted my friend midway through the first quarter, and I was like, Toronto's just better. Like the the Raptors are legit. The thing that I like about them is they can kind of play in any way. So if there's a series where they're going to be forced to uh, like switch defensively. You can plug in Siakam at the five, play Ananobi, and you can switch across all five positions. You know, if there's a series where, you know, the other team doesn't have a great pick-and-roll ball handler and you can afford to put Valanciunas out there and just beast for 20 minutes, you know, you can do that and you can throw Valanciunas out there. If you need to just get buckets at the end of the game, you have Kawhi Leonard. I checked recently he's scoring, like, basically at a 50% clip, shooting 50% from three as well in the final five minutes of games, uh, of, of close games. So I, I think the Raptors are real. I think it, a lot of it has to do with the roster flexibility. They can just kind of play in any type of series against any type of, of, of opponent. Um, they're probably my pick to make it out of the East at this point. Fair enough. I'm, I'm going to jump to Golden State last night with the uh, shellacking of the Denver Nuggets. Uh, this season seemed touch and go with them. Everybody had them going to the finals once again, maybe still do but they've shown some vulnerability that they haven't in the last four or five seasons. And uh, is it just another Golden State deal where it harkens back to, yeah, we can beat you when we want to, Denver. We'll, we'll knock you down a peg and we'll, we'll put up 51 in the first quarter tonight. Or are they less now uh, than they have been in the last couple of years, in your opinion? Yeah, I, I don't think they are as good as they have been in the past. Um, 
you know, the guys who can turn it on for one game, you have the, the older guys like Iguodala and Livingston, um, and then also Draymond who kind of has a tendency to, to play, you know, sometimes at less than 100% during the regular season. Those guys, I think, are, are just a little bit worse, so maybe they can turn it on a little bit less frequently or a little bit less intensely. Um, so I think the Warriors are just a little bit worse, maybe just a little bit of age-related decline, and then they don't have the same depth that they had um, in previous years. The bench is just kind of lacking in, in shooting, um, especially. But the thing that I think helps them is that there's no clear number two in the West right now. Um, you know, Denver's obviously having a brilliant season, um, but their point differential isn't anything special. Uh, the same goes for, like, the Thunder. Um, you know, the Rockets are essentially a one-man team at this point. So I think they might have a, an easier way out of the West than they've had in the last couple of years. Um, I think that the, the worry for them would be in the finals itself. But, you know, it's difficult to judge the Warriors until they get there. Um, this is just kind of the deal with them. They, they do definitely play at uh, less than 100% capacity, so it makes it hard to judge. Um, but I do think there's a little bit of age-related decline there, yeah. Fair enough. Switching gears to James Harden, uh, you mentioned the one-man team in Houston. Uh, James Harden uh, right now being touted as MVP of the league. I'm still putting my money on the Greek freak for MVP, but that's just me. Um, James Harden is is blowing up stat sheets. He's really – and it's hard to deny how great of a player he's, he is because he is a great player. But do you think that James Harden – gets too many calls, maybe takes too many shots. Because I remember years ago, Kobe Bryant, people used to jump on his case all the time. Oh, Kobe's shooting too much. Kobe's doing this. He's doing that. You know, he needs to to get his teammates involved. And right now everyone's singing Harden's praises. I'm looking around going, where were all you people that were cussing Kobe for doing the same thing Harden's doing right now? Um, I think Harden gets too many foul calls. He gets away with traveling. Um, when other players don't, we've seen the Steph Curry video where he did the same move Harden did, got caught for the travel. Uh, is James Harden maybe getting a little too much help from the officials right now? And do you think he's the clear-cut MVP right now? I do. Uh, I, he's my MVP. I'm not sure if he's he's the clear-cut MVP. Um, you know, as you said, the, the great freeze having a ridiculous year, too. Um, yeah, he's my MVP just for – the fact that what he is doing right now in carrying this team back to uh, basically home court advantage in the playoffs is that he is taking a bunch of guys who basically don't have any business being in an NBA rotation, maybe let alone on an NBA roster. Guys like Daniel House, uh, Gary Clark, um, Isaiah Hardenstein. These are players who have played big minutes for Houston, and he's basically had to be a one-man team because – these players aren't capable basically of being on a playoffs caliber roster. And so, you know, it's really incredible what he's done um, just in terms of scoring the ball and the level of difficulty that it takes to score the same way in isolation every single time without a screen. Um, it's, it's pretty remarkable. Um, as far as your question about whether he gets too much help from the officials, um, you know, I'm not sure. Um, I think that the, I, I think that he, he probably has travels that go unpunished sometimes on the step back. Um, but I think it gets a little bit exaggerated how many of his threes are, you know, that kind of double step back. I don't think it's that huge a percentage, maybe a fifth, maybe a sixth of them. 
Um, and then as far as, you know, on the way to the rim, you know, I think he, he gets a lot of, ca- of fouls because he's, he's kind of clever with where he puts his arm and things like that. And, you know, I don't like watching free throws. That's not my favorite part of basketball. Um, but, you know, he gets fouled on these plays because he's being kind of intelligent about where he puts his body and, and you know, kind of flopping after he gets the contact. So, yeah, I think that he probably gets a few too many calls. Um, but I think it has to do with how good he is as a player rather than, um, you know, anything about anything malicious on his part or on the, the referee's part. And just a reminder, the past three games for Harden, 18 free throws the last game, the game before that, 16 free throws, and then 11 before that. Granted, he had in those games, I mean, he had 57 the last game, 38 the game before, and 43 the game before. So, I don't know. Kind of a uh, – just – I don't – I just something inside me just cannot bring myself to cheer for the way that guy plays basketball. I don't know. I just look at everything, and I'm like, you know, he's travel. I think he travels more than than what they call, and then the fouls, and I'm like, good lord, this guy gets so many fouls called. Uh, but you know, maybe he, maybe he's just smart. I don't know. I just can't pull myself to root for it. Maybe that's just me. I can, uh, you know, for me, like, I think Harden is an amazing player. I don't actually, I, I don't think I like watching him aesthetically, um, or or at least I enjoy watching him, but I don't think I. That is the exact style of basketball I would I would prefer to watch over other styles. Um, but I mean, hey, I mean, he, he's damn effective. That's for sure. Kind of like Floyd Mayweather. Uh, if you're a boxing if you're a boxing fan, Floyd Mayweather has some of the most boring fights in the world and wins everything on decisions and just hits you more than you can hit him. Uh, it's boring to watch, yep. but it's very effective. So I'm going to make that comparison. Yeah, I think that's a, I think that's a good comparison. Well, guys, yeah, guys have anything else? I, I, well, go ahead. Go I, ahead. I just got I just got to be the uh, bad news bearer. I'm afraid I've got some bad news because uh, <laughs> I, the the comparison there to me doesn't hold up because uh, as boring as Floyd can be, he is a world champion and is undefeated. And until Harden hoists that trophy, I I I don't totally I get what you're saying, but I don't totally see that comparison. James Harden, in my opinion, just real quick, is is you know one game he played here against the Sixers about two years ago, and I just watched him, you know, going through the legs left and right, and just eyeing his defender, and you just knew he was going to drive by him or pull up and and stick one in his face. And, and I, I kind of reveled in that, like you revel in a, in a great pitcher who's really at the top of his game in Major League Baseball. Like, man, that guy is 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 really great at what he does. But I, you know, other other than that magic, it's almost like an N one mixtape to me. And that, that that's probably stretching it and not giving him enough credibility. But it's like he he's a show in himself, but I don't see him as a leader and a champion. And that's just my opinion. You know, I, I I get what you're saying. The one thing is, like, they were maybe a Chris Paul ankle injury away from getting to the finals last year. And oh, they, they get were. To the finals, they were. And if and uh. if they get to the finals, they win. You know, so it's it, there's there's another universe in which James Harden probably does have a championship. Um, I'm not he sure never admit it. Playoffs. He'll never admit it. But down inside, he knows Ooh. if Paul's healthy, they win that series. He will never admit it, ladies and gentlemen. But he knows. Uh, they could have Paul, freaking Bunyan. Bunyan. 
uh, Billy Paul, um, any Paul, healthy, broke, they still would have lost because Golden State would have stepped it up. Yeah. That's <laughs> maybes and might bees and could have beens and should have beens are for guys who finished second. Here's See what I deal with, Nate. See what I deal with, Nate. <laughs> <laughs> but guys, you guys have any other questions for Nate, and we'll let him get back to uh, the NBA tonight. A lot of great I got, games I got, going I got on. I got one. I got one quick one. Does Markel Fultz play, does Markel Fultz play another game for the Seventy Sixers? I don't think for the Seventy Sixers. No, I th- I think that um, honestly, I think that for for the Seventy Sixers, he's probably more valuable as a trade asset, more valuable to to another team than he is to them. Um, I think that he can get them probably a, a player that can play this year in return, and I think that that just has more value than the the uncertainty that. This guy might be your future, uh, your future point guard. Now that they have Butler too, um, there's just really not enough, not not enough uh, ball to go around for another ball handler. So I, I think that his, uh, if he plays another game in the NBA, which I'm guessing he will, it, it's not going to happen in Philadelphia. I don't think. There you go. All right. Well, Nate, thanks for jumping on with us and giving us so much of your time and kind of just dissecting the league with us here. Won't you let our listeners know where they can find you at on Twitter and elsewhere? Yeah, you can find me at uh, at Nate Wolf's NBA. Um, I write for uh, B-Ball Index um, for uh, or about the the Wizards and uh, about the NBA for NBA Math. Um, so yeah, thanks for having me on, guys. No problem. We for hope sure. to have you back real soon. Thank you so much. All right, that was Nate Wolf from NBA Math, and uh, I think that those are those are fun segments to uh, to have there, where you just kind of bounce around the league and look at different aspects of of teams and what's going on in the league right now. So we do thank Nate for jumping on with us and doing that with us. Another Nate and a four le- four letter last name Nate Wolf Nate Bush. It's it's no Tom. What's that? I smell a conspiracy. Yeah, something's <laughs> got to be weird there. Got to be Not, something going weird on. weird at all. Next Nate will be well, sitting with him at the Royal Rumble. <laughs> if he's got tickets, I, he's got tickets, I'll go sit with him. Hell, I'll sit with anybody if they got tickets, uh, including uh, Baron Corbin. But uh, Oh, boy. <laughs> do I need to bring that up? Should I address that on the show? Well, as you always, as you always, as you always shy away from my controversial commentary, I will say the views expressed in the upcoming uh, segment about Nate Bush and Baron Corbin's relationship via social media have nothing to do with myself, Tom Robinson, or, well, I can't speak for Tim, but I don't even think Tim Dumbrow is involved in this. You can speak for me. (laughs) And this is completely Nate Bush's uh, maniacal millennial side coming out. But go ahead, Nate. Well, as many of you know, there's been a war on Twitter for for a while now between myself on my personal account at MMITM Nathan and Mr. Baron Corbin. Uh, basically, I called him out for just not being good at his job. Uh, and he didn't like that. He, he, 
he threw his, he he told me how much money he had and you know how his wife is hot which I mean I'm not gonna argue with him on that second one but you know he he just threw all this at me and of course uh, and there for a while we almost had it to where it was kind of funny where we would we would banter back and forth and you know he even admitted he kind of missed me a little bit well. Apparently, he's not missing me anymore because he recently blocked me on Twitter. I'm no longer able to tweet at Baron Corbin, apparently by insulting the Kansas City Chiefs. Well, I didn't really insult the Chiefs. I insulted him. He was tweeting about the Kansas City Chiefs, and I said, you know, if you focused on wrestling as much as you did on football, maybe you wouldn't make people change the channel every time you came on TV. But he didn't seem to like that, so I became blocked. Uh, And apparently, I called him a... uh, a sleep aid as well, a sleeping pill. But nevertheless, so the feud of, of Nate and Corbin has ended. He blocked me, so we saw who gave in first. I never gave up. So, Corbin, you suck, signed Alvis. Signed Alvis? Well, sign, sign me. Yeah, I was going to say, uh, not all of us. And I don't know if you can hear the sound of my head shaking over here, but... <laughs> um, hey guys, we got a, we've got a phone call. We've got a, we got a phone call. Let's see, uh, let's see what's going on here. Hello, caller. You're on the air. Yes. Good evening, gentlemen. How are you guys doing? doing How good. are you? How are you? Doing well, uh, thanks for taking my call. No problem. No problem. What's uh, what's on your mind, NBA wise? Yeah, I was um, kind of thinking more about like the long term of what's going to happen in the league and. Uh, I don't know about you guys, but I'm really excited about the fact that the New York Knicks, after God knows at least 20 years, are finally going to be relevant in a long-term sustainable way with, like, good young players and a potential star or franchise player to lead them. And I just can't wait to see, you know, big-time games in Madison Square Garden again. Yeah. Um, If you were the Knicks, and let's just say, for example, you get that number one draft pick, do you think they should go with Zion, or do you think maybe R.J. Barrett, or is there somebody else that they should go with? Oh, yeah, you got to get Zion. I mean, he's, he's clearly box office, and uh, I think he'd be a nice fit playing at uh, the four spot next to Kristaps down low. And assuming, because the other part of it is they'd have to let Canada go in order to have the cap space to sign a big-time free agent this offseason, so you know they, they need to have a big man down low. And I feel like uh, either Kyrie Irving or Kevin Durant one of the two will be playing on the Knicks next year, guaranteed. I think that I think that's pretty much written in the stars already, and that's what the NBA needs, to be honest. Because this this current setup is just terrible to watch. I mean, you guys enjoy watching the NBA right now, like? No, I can, one team running it. I can jump in here, and in, in that this season, even though I've been busy with other projects, is that. Uh, you know, I sat down last night to something I I was looking forward to, and it was it was just underwhelming. And I felt a lack of star power. And you make a great point about the Big Apple because Bright Lights, Big City, we got uh, Coach Fizz, who I've always liked. Uh, Nate and I, if you listened to earlier episodes, were high on Mitch Robinson. And uh, Kevin Knox got a a late buzz coming into the draft. Um, And if if you could put Zion under those big lights, I think he is the next big star quality player coming out. And, uh, yeah, I, I agree that there should be, you know, MSG with going back to the days of uh, Patrick Ewing, John Starks, et cetera. Uh, you know, it, it's been sorely missing a, a NBA franchise to be proud of, and I, I think you guys are in the right direction. 
Right, and I was wondering, I mean, I don't know how you guys feel about the Knicks in general, but, like, I'm not even from New York, but it's just that growing up, that's why I fell in love with the NBA in the 90s as a kid, you know, sitting down and watching, you know, games at Madison Square Garden with my dad, you know, especially seeing those epic wars between Reggie Miller and the Pacers and the Knicks and seeing the Knicks and the Bulls go at it and, you know, I just, those are the best games to watch. And I feel like Knicks fans, just to me, their understanding of basketball, the way they appreciate all the little nuances of the game, they appreciate defensive effort, and the crowd is so engaged and into it that it's an absolute shame that for like 20 years they've had absolute trash on the court. And it's just it's so nice to see that they look like they're about to finally turn the corner in the right direction. So it's, it's an exciting time. Yeah, and going back to your, your uh, mention of Kevin Durant, there is more than a rumor circulating that Durant could end up in uh, New York next season. Um, there's, you know, of course the rumors are already running rampant that he's out of Golden State and uh, who knows in that aspect, but if according to what uh, is going around, New York has the money to offer him. They have a very attractive uh, coach to have there for a player. He's a player's coach. They have a great market. They got a young core with uh, Porzingis. Knox has been a good player, and uh, they're going to get a good draft pick. So, and depending on where the ping pong balls fall, they're going to get somebody as long as they don't whiff and go with Ronaldo Balkman or somebody like that, uh, like they did a few years back. <laughs> um, they uh, they should do fine, and I think it's going to be enticing. And depending on how much money's on the table, because you're going to have to pay Porzingis here soon. He's going to get a big, big salary. I don't think you're going to be able to sign two free agents, but if you can get Durant, pair him with Porzingis, kind of let them mentor Kevin Knox. Uh, Mitch Robinson's going to be good, as, as TR and I have both said. We really like his game. And then get another rookie. Maybe, you know, you get lucky. You get that Zion Williamson. You want to talk about an exciting team for the future. And, man, oh, man, the Knicks could be uh, back to better than they were pre-Mellow. So, who knows? It's a lot of what-ifs, but it's going to be fun. It's basically like David Stern's, uh, like, you know, his, his longtime fantasy, right? Because if you think about if that were to play <laughs> David out. David Stern's wet he, dream, he, you know? <laughs> exactly. Because think about what next year could end up looking like. We're talking about in the Eastern Conference having New York, Boston, Philadelphia, Toronto, and Indiana, all basically contenders, right? So you got all the major markets out east. And then in the west, you're going to have the Lakers with the best player in the world on the leading team. And I would, the Lakers will probably end up adding another player, maybe an Anthony Davis or someone. And, uh, you know, several, you know, Houston and other, you know, major markets. you got Dallas coming back on and everything. And so it looks like the NBA is finally in that perfect spot where all the major markets will be relevant and have good players. And we know what that means for the ratings. So it's just a great time for the league well, to finally in a good spot. I don't think there'd be anything that the NBA would love more than for the franchise in New York to be relevant. It's the media center of the world, pretty much. Um, and I'm sure they salivate at the thought of a New York Knicks, L.A. Laker, anything. Oh, could you uh, imagine? I, I, <laughs> uh, yeah, I can't. I, I can't. Actually, to be honest, I don't know that I can imagine the hype that would be around Jeez. that. Especially, like if, um, especially if the Knicks, if, let's say they get Williams, and then he turns out to be what everybody thinks he's going to be. And you got him, you know, versus the poster boy versus LeBron. Good Lord. Or imagine even if they added Kevin Durant and you got Kevin Durant versus yeah, LeBron. That the yeah, and that too. I mean, Jesus. That stuff. I mean, the ratings well. would be like, you're talking about 50 to 100 million people watching each game. I mean, it'd be the 
like, I don't know. It, man. it wouldn't. Just, it wouldn't be bad for the sport. I know that. Yeah. So and, I and you're the, right. My last question with the. Go oh, ahead. Sorry. No, I was no, going to say you're right. You. The NBA definitely needs that that parity. They need to spread the, the star power out. This whole team stacking super team. Uh, Bullcrap, as we call, as I like to call it, it makes a less interesting NBA Finals. You saw a sweep in the finals, and that's not good for revenue because if a, you can get a series to go six or seven games, you're going to make a lot more money. But uh, go ahead with your last question. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, that's a great point. I just wanted to ask you guys as far as how you saw this season playing out. Um, um, who do you think is going to win the title? And um, if that is happens to be Golden State, which I guess it probably will. Do you see any team other than Houston challenging them at any point, whether it's in the Western playoffs or in the finals? Uh, I, I guess I'll jump in here. Um, the Celtics uh, have not shown it, shown their, uh, you know, maybe true potential of what we thought they could be. Uh, I still think it's a long season. I think uh, they're playoff tested. They have a great coach, and by then they'll have all the kinks worked out. And I, I think uh, as far as the West, uh, no, a healthy Warriors team will still, and we kind of touched on this earlier with one of our guests, um, I think they'll still be there uh, when it comes time to show up. They often do. And I think I think they're, they will be challenged, and, and my best guess would be against Boston. I know that's the chalk going in. It's the easy answer, and, and, and Boston is not number one currently, but the Cavs were what? third or fourth seed last year and we all kind of knew they would end up there um so i think boston can give them can give them a battle i think we might see one more title you know from golden state but i think like you forecasted in your first point that it's kind of a seismic change starting in next season i'm gonna say that out west the only team to me that could even stand remotely a chance in the playoffs against them and they still won't beat them would be Oklahoma City. Russell Westbrook, Paul George, two just fantastic players. Maryland's Noel's become a great rim protector. Steven Adams is still there. Dennis Schroeder, when he finds his complete role on this team, is going to be important. They'll get Andre Robertson back. He's going to be good on the edge in terms of defense. Uh, the Thunder do have a chance to make a really good run to the Western Conference Finals this year. I don't think they can beat Golden State because I don't think anybody can beat Golden State this year. The addition of DeMarcus Cousins, who hasn't even touched the court yet for the Warriors, is still to come. So that's just, you know, what do you do? You take the championship team and you add a top, you know, a top seven center in the league to the roster. So we'll see on how he pans out there. But an interesting matchup to me would be the Raptors if they were able to get to the finals and play Golden State. Because remember, when Kawhi Leonard went down, the Warriors and Spurs series, Kawhi Leonard got hurt in. The Spurs were winning that first game, and they had momentum in Oracle. Kawhi Leonard is they're a game by, changer. They were winning by 23, to be exact. Oh, yeah, it was, wasn't even close, and they were playing great ball. Now, this Raptors team, better defensive team than that Spurs team, as far as I'm concerned. Kawhi Leonard, probably the best two-way player in the league, and he's showing it this year. Uh, Siakam, he's a lockdown defender who can play – anywhere from the two to the five. Jonas Valanciunas is hurt. He comes back. He gives some presence down low. Kyle Lowry's a good point guard. He won't be able to shut down Steph Curry, but he will be able to score if they take Steph Curry and keep him guarding uh, Kyle Lowry. 
Danny Green's a sharpshooter who can knock down shots. They'll need him to be big. OG Ananobi, he's had a rough season so far this year. He's going to have to bounce back. Serge Ibaka's turned back the hands of time. He's looked great this season. I think in a, a series, the most entertaining series in the finals you could get would be the Warriors-Raptors. Unfortunately for Toronto, I still think it's not going to be enough. I think Warriors in six if they get to that point. But I think Toronto gives you the best chance of seeing an entertaining series. I could just add, I think um, there's one other team that I feel like everyone seems to keep looking over, and it's uh, the Milwaukee Bucks. And I kind of um, – I got to give uh, – I believe his name is Coach Bulldozer. I don't know how to pronounce it, but he's the guy yeah. that used to yeah. coach – I believe he coached the Atlanta Hawks of that 60-win season they had a couple years ago, and if I'm not mistaken, isn't he out of that great Popovich coaching tree, like spent a lot of time in San Antonio? Sure. No, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I, mean, I, just, I really – yeah. I love the Bucks. We were ju- we actually just had a, a, a gentleman from Milwaukee on who was a uh, a radio sports coverage guy in Milwaukee from 105.7 The Fan up there. And and trust me, we definitely give Milwaukee their just dues. My thing is, matchup-wise, Giannis can't knock down threes. That's a problem. You're going to have to have a team that can knock down threes. And that's where Toronto's going to fall, but their defense can kind of cover that up. Milwaukee's defense is not going to be able to cover up their lack of three-point shooting from their star. They have other players who can shoot, but in terms of a better series, I think Toronto's going to give you that. But you, I didn't mean to interrupt you. I'm sorry. You can go ahead. No, no, that's a great point. I just, It's just that when it comes to the Bucks, they remind me a lot of – you remember um, a couple of years ago when the when Durant was still with the Thunder, they had that Western Conference uh, final series with Golden State. And uh, I believe, if I'm mistaken, it wasn't go- – the Thunder were up by like three to two or three to one in that series, and I just remember that their yeah. length and their ability to like use their length defensively was such a factor against Golden State, and it was, it was a huge problem for them. And I feel like the Bucks have that same effect going with them, where they have such great length and athleticism, and they can run and cover so much space that come playoff time, their defense I feel like is going to be the difference maker. Because you know teams can shoot, but defense to me, I feel like is the thing that always separates teams in the postseason. I agree Toronto's probably in the same category, and they can obviously play great defense, but you take a team like Boston, and you look at their effort on the defensive side of the court, and it's just, I don't see it. And I know they can score, but I feel like if all you can do is score, I don't know, maybe maybe I'm reading too much into it, but I just, I see, I feel like the Bucks are going to make a lot more noise this year, and they're going to stun a lot of people. No, I think you make a good point there. Honestly, I, I never really looked at it from that angle, but you know, you look at it that way. You do make a great point. So, it's a lot of what ifs. You know, coulda, woulda, shoulda. So, it's one of those things where we just got to kind of wait and see how it plays out. But you do make a very good point. Well, thanks, gentlemen. You guys have a good night, and thanks again for taking my call. You too, sir. Thank you for All calling. Right, Welcome back anytime. All right. Well, guys, we're getting close to that time, and. And a great caller, by the way. Thank you uh, yeah, for calling in. I call. really do. Yeah, um, you brought up some great points there. But before we before we start adjourning to get out of here, I do want to share something with you guys. Most consecutive games averaging 40 points per game in NBA history. Um, Harden needed to score 34 uh, to maintain his 40-point-per-game average. Uh, his most consecutive games averaging 40 points per game is 19. That moved him to fifth all-time behind Rick Barry, who was 22nd at fourth. Third was Kobe Bryant with 23 points per game. Second Michael Jordan was and Will Chamberlain. No, 
Elgin Baylor. Elgin Baylor, 33 wow. consecutive games. And then Wilt Chamberlain was number one. Do you know how many games Wilt Chamberlain consecutively averaged 40 points per game? Elgin Baylor did 33. Well, he he averaged 50 in one season, so uh, I, am, I imagine it's a lot. Take a guess. E- either one of you, take a guess. 80? Tim, what do you think? Six, 65. 515. Holy Jesus <laughs> Christ. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's like, dear Jesus. <laughs> that's like not leaving it to chance, is it? Um, and I'm looking here also, most consecutive 30-point games in NBA history. Um, active streak right now, James Harden's at 18. Elgin Baylor did 18 in 1961 and 62. Uh, that moves Harden to fifth all-time if he breaks that. The other four are Wilt Chamberlain. He had 65 consecutive, then 31 consecutive, then 25 consecutive, and then 20 consecutive, all within a four-year span of each other. Uh, if that makes you wonder who was the most dominant man back in the day, Wilt the Stilt, man. Jeez. Yeah, Philadelphia's got, uh, for the record, Harden's got 39 tonight. Uh, he'll keep his 40-point-per-game still... average. So, yeah, Harden, you're close. only uh, – you're only about 498 away from getting to Wilt, man, so good luck. Uh, and yet, you know, he's, he's not really – it's ridiculous because when you look at his – I mean, he's 12 of 26, well, 3 for 13 from three-point land, and 12 for 12 from the stripe. But uh, I don't know. I just don't like him. <laughs> no, I'm not even really sure why. I just, I just I don't just, like him. I just don't like the guy. He When I watch him play, he just – you know, some guys it's a joy to watch, and when I watch him play, I just don't get that feeling for some reason. I'm not really sure why. I'll leave it at that. Yeah, I'm I'm a little bit on the same camp. I I was pointing out earlier that he's amazing when you focus in on him on some plays, but after two or three of them, it's kind of like, eh, you know. Yeah, they just. Um, I don't want to watch him play more. I guess you could say, like unlike the stars of my younger years, where. You know, you wanted to see. You know, I wonder if we could do that again. And, and well, I, I, I th- they would. I think. I think. I think. Uh, what we're both thinking and not saying is that, you know, we're old. Nate's not quite as old as us. But when you watch the Larry Bird or a Magic Johnson or, you know, name, name the top guy, whatever era, you would be like, uh, you know, I wonder what Bird's going to do next. And then he'd come up and fake a pass, and the guy would turn around, and then he'd hit a jumper. You always know what you're going to see with James Harden. It's going to be dribbled through the legs, dribble through the legs, you know, bam. And that's it. There's really not much else except that, you know, uh, to make a wrestling reference, the f- the five moves of doom. I mean, he he's, yeah. he's, he pretty much does the same thing, a step back three or he'll take him to the hoop or he'll shoot from so the foul line. And so why doesn't he somebody, when he goes to take that step back, why doesn't somebody just drill him? That's what would have happened back in the day. He'd have done that well, move once or twice, and he'd have tried it the third time, and somebody would have he'd have had a 260-pound guy laying on top of him, and he wouldn't have done it again. Well, you don't know how far back he's going to go because he's allowed to take as many steps backwards as he wants. That's true. You've he, seen he, that. He, he doesn't so much backpedal as just turn his back and run. He he backpedals yeah. back more than the French Army, so we'll leave oh, it at that. Sorry oh. to our listeners in France. So, uh. well, you could you could you could just put a goon, the fifteenth guy on the bench out there when he's 
um, hot, so to speak, when he's, you know, on a roll and just do the old schoolyard trick of bending down. And, and when he steps back, he'll fall backwards over him. And uh, that would solve the step back three. <laughs> I fun, guess, too, the, you know, there was a time, too, though, when that eventually he would have, back in the day, he would have been under the basket at some point in a game, and that's where somebody would have drilled you. But now they don't. Yeah. They don't do. They don't do that anymore. They don't come anywhere. He takes his shot and he doesn't even watch it half the time. It. He's already turned around and walking back to the other side of the court because nobody follows well, their shots in anymore. After he after he takes his fourth step into the paint with no travel being called, he normally gets touched on the hand, in which he gets to go to the foul line anyway. So it's not like it really matters. So, uh, it's as close as he gets. Well. The the comparison, other than scoring, stops there with Will Chamberlain because I, I don't see James Harden as a guy who's who's sleeping with ten thousand women. I mean, I, I saw Will Chamberlain personally probably about three months before he perished in the Philadelphia airport, and and the guy looked like a Greek god, like he was in a, a Philadelphia sweatsuit, and he didn't look his age at all. He was still kind of jacked and obviously seven feet tall. Brother and a, a thought went through my head that I might offer myself up to him sexually because he was just that attractive of a man. I mean, is the James, is the James Harden beard, like, is it hiding something? Is there a whole lot of ugly underneath there? Tom saw Will Chamberlain and all he could hear is that. But guys, we are past time here, and it's been a great episode of Wide Men Can't Jump. And we want to thank now, you guys. Hold on, now's the oh, point where if you're winding down, now's where I call you a liar. You didn't let me talk about LeBron. Oh, God. I don't like you. I don't like you anymore. And good day, sir. No, 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 no. Hold on, don't go anywhere. Go my ahead. My Uber moose. You... My Uber moose is waiting. I have to go. No, go ahead and do your LeBron rant. Go ahead. Seriously, do I it. Not a rant. I, I just wanted to know if anybody else suspected what I suspected that that he's not really hurt anymore and that they are avoiding the two games coming up because of who they are to bring them back against softer competition. Possibility. I don't know. It's I, like, don't think, I don't think it's a possibility. Came... I think it's a fact. Who's he coming back against? I'm sorry for my lack of knowledge. Uh, I can't remember, but the two games he's missing, of course, are, are against powerhouses that he's not coming back against them. Because, you know, his uh, return, I think, needs to be uh, – it's uh, Oklahoma, uh, OKC and uh, – In Houston. And Houston, right. And he's supp- is he supposed to return against the Warriors? I think he's coming back the next game. But now I've just read that he's only been cleared to start practicing next week. So Well, we're that hoping that he's in. out – I'm hoping he's out on the 24th as Minnesota – <laughs> and I kind of don't really want to see LeBron against Minnesota well, I would think every the time. Reason, the other reason I bring it up is because they've they've slowly slipped. If he's gone for much longer, they're not going to be in the playoff spot anymore. So well, they're no, at, I don't know. They're at the eight, I don't know if they're that at interests the them or not. Right. Well, but, they're at I the mean, eight be, seed right let's now. Let's face it, so though, without, without him in the lineup, they, they've got nothing. No, I agree. Uh, I agree. I agree. Or not much just, anyway. So... It's going to depend on on what 
on what he wants to do. Because, again, if you do want to go to the playoffs, you need him healthy. And you, you don't do, want to, and nobody's going to force LeBron to do anything he doesn't want to do. You do, but what I'm getting at is, okay, um, we make the playoffs and we're going to lose anyway, which is a, is a foregone conclusion. They aren't winning anything. So that maybe besmudges the, uh, but I think the, the LeBron the LeBron legacy. So oh, he's got an injury. Uh, he wasn't there. You know, if he'd have been healthy for all that time, well, we that have been different. And you can't expect him to play really good. He had a groin injury. Blah 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 blah. And the legacy of the year of nothingness is safe. And LeBron still looks like a god. And uh, blah 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 blah. You know, Michael Jordan didn't come back to the Bulls and pull a not make the playoffs year. Well, I'm gonna. I'm just gonna say that LeBron. Um, I, I think that getting to the playoffs is actually not a bad move for the the Lakers to get these young guys some experience playing playoff basketball because it's a different animal. Even if they get swept, I think they really do need to get into the playoffs. Or should you tank and go for the draft pick? Again. Uh... I had a I had a devil's advocate spin that was sort of piggybacking what Nate just said. If if he is uh, sort of sandbagging the groin injury and not coming back against the premier competition, it, it, it could be a, a psychological move from him or the organization to quote toughen these guys up and see what it's like to play the tough competition without leaning on big Bron Bron and. Uh, for the greater good in the long run, that would be a strategical move. But, I mean, that's just speculation. I don't know. It, it might be, too, if we were working on the assumption that the Lakers intend on keeping half the roster, which I kind of think is in doubt, is it not? <laughs> you know what? The the report on what the Lakers are going to do changes every day. So, this also, again, this is also true, yeah. Nobody Fair really enough. knows. Nobody really knows oh, what Le- they're going to do. LeBron. LeBron hasn't told anybody yet. Yeah, once he once he finally lets them in on it, he'll uh, you know we'll see once what LeBron happens. LeBron knows then, but... the the franchise will be made aware and and we'll move <laughs> forward. Well, guys, we are past time, so we're gonna have to get out of here. And we want to thank all of our guests tonight, whether it be Nate Wolf, whether it be Bart Winkler, or the mysterious caller that didn't give a name. We thank all of you for joining us, and we thank you for listening out there. And we hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Brought to you by the law offices of Stephen P. New at newlawoffice.com and wowfreecam.com. And don't forget to check out widemancantjump.com. Should have some new articles going up this week. I hope I just finished some research for one of mine. And it's not going to be a basketball article. I'm putting up a wrestling-related article. So uh, hopefully to have that up later this week. Um, Why I Love the Royal Rumble by Nate Bush. Well, that's, a, that's a novel. That's not an article. A 72-part <laughs> serial. Well, you know what? Since you two brought it up, I'm going to go ahead and plug it here. Uh, coming soon, a Wide Men Can't Jump special, uh, a Royal Rumble special podcast that I have been putting together for weeks now. It's got some interviews with some pretty cool some pretty cool guys, uh, some former uh, Royal Rumble participants. Got a lot of cool stories. Uh, really good times putting this together, and uh, I'm hoping these two knuckleheads, while they make fun of me for doing all this and loving Royal Rumbles, will actually mm-hmm. come and talk a little Rumble with me here. But uh, that's another show for another time. So, 
Uh, we do want to thank you guys again for listening. You can listen to us anywhere you find your favorite podcast, iTunes, Podcast Addict, Stitcher, Google Play, FM Flash, Pod Paradise, iHeartRadio, and on WideMenCan'tJump.com. I want to give a big shout-out to our buddy Bobby Blaze, who was on recently on the show, doing a little okay. wrestling talk and some NFL pickums. Bobby's the man. Check out his show, Bell to Bell Blaze. He puts us over on his podcast all the time, so I wanted to return the favor. Go check him out. Show him some love. It's at Bell to Bell Blaze on Twitter. Go, you Bobby. You can find his podcast. Bobby's the man. Uh, you talk guys want to add... talk about a man you might give your sexuality to. <laughs> you guys want to add anything before we get out of here this evening? No, I'm good. All right, TR. Uh, anything? Just, just, just that it seems like in this uh, time frame I might be more active. So you might see me on the website, uh, grammatically incorrect, uh, writing a a blog or two here and there. Ah, we've got a team of chimps hired to do your uh, spell checking and all that. Don't worry. We got your back. <laughs> right on. <laughs> and cool. uh, make sure you follow us at Wide Jump on Twitter. I'm at MMITM. Nathan, Tim is at Tileman68, and Tom is at TR Shock. Follow all those sites, but definitely follow at Wide Jump and tweet us what you thought about the show. Uh, thanks again for listening, everybody. TR, send us home. Thanks. Thanks for listening to this show. On the Wide Men Radio Network, blogtalkradio.com slash wide men can't jump. You can download this and any other episode from our network at iTunes, Podcast Addict, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Pod Paradise, Google Play, Player FM, and anywhere you find your favorite podcast. This show has been brought to you by the law offices of Stephen P. New at newlawoffice.com, facebook.com slash makeupkennedy, and wowfreecam.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at Wide Jump. You can follow us on Instagram at Wide Men Can't Jump and on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Wide Men Can't Jump. Please leave us a five-star review on iTunes. Also, rate the show and tell us how we did. If you love us, please give us a five-star rating. Again, thanks for listening to this episode on the Wide Men Radio Network. Tune in, same time, same place, for the Wide Men Radio Network at blogtalkradio.com slash wide men can't jump.